loads of buzz right now about Paul Venice. And we are publishing his audio book version of a very South Bank story. So the links will be in the description box below this video. Huge thank you to Jamie Boyle for arranging this video. Jamie's links will be in the description box as well. Absolutely prolific author. Now, you've heard all these stories about Lee Duffy out of Middlesbrough, just going in and nightclubs wearing his shorts, bouncers trying to give him some shit. Bam, 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 just knocks, not just one bouncer out, but like, Groups of bouncers out is something. It's like, a, what was that movie? Schwarzenegger movie. Fucking Terminator style. <laughs> and Paul has been chosen to play Lee Duffy in an upcoming movie. But not just that. They're from, like, the same place, the South Bank. So Paul has also got stories of Lee Duffy, what he heard growing up. He was much younger than him and actually meeting him and he's gonna as well as giving us his life story he's also gonna you know be talking a lot about lee duffy as well huge thank you for coming on there paul you're welcome sean thank you yeah you, you finally got up here today after a few mishaps yeah bit of a nightmare yeah yeah so before we get to your life story then what did it feel like then when you got a phone call asking to play Lee Duffy in the movie. I thought it was a joke first. <laughs> I really did. Like I, I think it was uh, just before, like a week before Christmas. I got the phone call and I was like, oh, "I asked, this Paul Venice?" I says, "Yeah." I said, "Is this you on YouTube fighting that?" I went, "Yeah, yeah." It says, uh, oh, "We want you to play Lee Duffy as a f in a movie." And I just laughed. I put the phone down. I just went, "Bosh!" Put the phone down and I got a message saying, "Look, it's uh, it's Steve Wraith. Ring me. I'm being serious." So uh, I rang him back. I said, is this a joke or what? He went, no, no. I said, uh, we're making a film. But the says, want you to play Lee Duffy in the, in the movie? And I was like, yeah, well, I, I said, I'm, I'm up for that, like. <laughs> Bit of excitement around it, you know, because of the area that I grew up in and listening to the stories of Lee. And, you know, it was, uh, it was surreal, to be fair. Having no acting experience then, I yeah. assume, did you think, right, I'm going to do this? Yeah. It, 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 a bit of anxiety set in and I was like, like, how am I going to do this here? I did say on the phone, like, look, I'm not an actor. They went, nah, don't worry about that. And uh, a couple of months went by after Christmas. We got Christmas out the way and all that. And I went and met him. I met Stephen Sayers, Stephen Rafe. I met the producer, the, uh, who's the filmmaker and stuff. And I says, I'm not an actor. And they went, no, that's that's exactly how we want it. We want a, a fighter to play a fighter. You know, as real and as raw as possible. So I was like, like okay, well... Just see how it goes and give it a go, do you know what I mean? So, yeah. Because you've lived it, haven't you? you yeah. Just, I mean, like, you got to act, people are paid to mimic the life you've fucking led. <laughs> so you're already done. They're like, you know, what's, yeah. to, what's to learn? Well, that, well, that's, like, Gary, he said something to me that put me at ease a little bit. See, when I didn't go audition all that, but he took me down, we'd done a bit of role playing and we and we got everyone together and I, and I was a bit nervous and that, there was a lot of people there. And he just drags me out of the room and he says, look, from what I've heard, you've been in similar situations where you've been fighting groups and stuff like that. He says, so go back into that man for him. He says, you're going to be playing Lee Duffy. He says, but what will Paul Venice do? So I just went back into that man for him and then walked in and it was like, I felt right at home to be fair. And it was quite easy and natural. It, it made it a bit hard because people were watching. So you're like, yeah. oh, but it was, it was sound. <laughs> yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it. So 
What was the first ever in your entire life you heard about Lee Duffy? <sighs> Do you know what? It, it was I couldn't really put my finger on the first time because it was like it was all I ever heard growing up as a child. It was like it was just constant Lee Duffy because from the South Bank area, my mum and dad knew him well. All my uncles and friends and the family, everyone knew him. He was like a close friend of the family. His family grew up with my family. Do you know what I mean? So it was like, it wasn't surreal. To, it is now because he's like a legend now. Do you know what I mean? He's passed away. And, but like Tupac and Biggie and all that, that's how it is in South Bank. So it's like, when you hear his name now, you're like, wow. And you didn't know. But as, when I was young and listening to him, it was just like, he was just another South Banker, but like the South Banker. Do you know what I mean? So it was like, by the time, we were at a certain age, it was like, we'd be toy fighting and arguing, I'm the next stuff and I'm the next stuff and I was a child and stuff like that. So it was... Uh, what was the age difference between you and Lee? Oh, I think Lee was like the same age as my mum, which is my mum's what? About 20 years then or something. No, I'm a lot more than that. More than that? No, no, yeah, about, 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 about 19, 20 years, yeah, to about be fair, 20 yeah. years. Yeah. I met him once when I was like, but I can't remember, I was only a baby and he used to be... Uh, he used to like, you know the old big white fluffy collars with the, the aeroplane jackets, like the flight, like the brown jackets with the big white fluffy collars. Yeah. And I was, our mum said you were small, you had one of them on and you were sat in your pram. And she said, so when you were small, you were like this little bull sat in a pram. And he went, oh, look at him, Seng. That's my mum's name. He says, he's going to be the next stuff of him. And she went, no, he's not. Like that, do you know what I mean? Well, that was the only time I'd ever, ever met him, but I can't remember, do you know what I mean? But yeah. it was, uh, yeah. Because in the beginning, he was just like a skinny teenager, wasn't he? he was actually, he got bullied at some point. Yeah, he got, uh, he, he got tortured. He got he got really, really badly picked on. And uh, Lorna Lancaster was a woman. like She was a, a boxing coach and stuff like that. She was seen all Lorna as well. Good friends with the family and that. And she's, uh, she spotted him getting picked on with certain kids and stuff like that. And she took him took him under his wing and sort of taught him to stand up for himself and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, just led from there. Do you know what I mean? He was a... Yeah. What was his like breakthrough year when people thought, right, this yeah. this kid's something else? I think he went to, he went to prison. I think when he got out, he become because like them days, Boston, it was like training. You you're out in the yard, you're running, you're doing you know you you're doing stuff like that. And uh, when he got out, I think he was 16, 17, 18, something like that. He he was running to eat to all the yard men, come on men, and they just put it on everyone. He was 17, 18 year old, not even a man. What did he look like at that age? My head, he was a mountain of a man. Like, was like he? he was a big, fit, like very athletic. See, I know, I, I know Laurie, 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 God rest his soul. I knew Laurie well, very close with Laurie when Laurie was alive. And it was, there were similar builds. So they were like six foot four, more like a, like a muscly swimmer. They were dead tall, athletic, yeah, yeah. long limbs. But Lee was a bit thicker, but Laurie was a phenomenal shape as well. And everyone used to say that's exactly how Lee looked. Yeah. And he was just so athletic. Yeah. You know what I mean? It must have been phenomenal to look at, you know what I mean? So, Class. you know, I'm from a northern town, and you have, as you're growing up, you hear about all the various hard men. Yeah. I'm just trying to put it in my head, like, someone all of a sudden, a teenager, just challenges all of those hard men. And what, what, you know, and if they stand up to him, he just knocks them the fuck yeah. out. That's what happens. He must have been, you know what, you know what blows my mind? It's like the confidence and the, and the, the lack of fear of going yeah. into that fight yeah. is is mind blowing because to be 17, 18 and think I'm right smart town and I'm taking over because that was his mentality that and he would go to the to the big names I, I won't mention them but I know him well he would go to the big names who, who were well known and it would just put it on him and just say hey, come on then and 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 
having the ability to back it up as well. Oof. And they've got no choice, have they? Because they're such a big name. If they back down them, then. That's they it. Fuck that, a couple of them did back down, though. Did they? Yeah, they of course they did. They yeah, knew. yeah. But then, <laughs> but one or two of them did have a go. Yeah. And because if they didn't have a go, that's how he made his name. Because he had to prove him. Yeah. See, see, it's like if everyone went nah, uh, was backed off, then you wouldn't really know what he was about. But there yeah. was one or two who challenged him, and yeah. he, he's 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 backed it up. Do you know what I mean? Fucking hell. Mind blown, man. Absolutely amazing, man. So there's all these f- the stories of him fighting like multiple people at one time. Were they true? Yeah, my uncle told me once there was an old pub outside of you won't know Asda, and he had this pub called Barnacle Bills, and it was like you had Asda, SCS, and then Barney Bills right in the middle with a massive car park. And our uncle was only a kid, my dad's brother, and he said, "Paul, he said we stood outside the pub. He says, and we seen Lee go in, and uh, he was on his own. Goes in, short and vest, he had flip flops on. Goes in, he said about ten minutes later, a van pulled outside." And there was just loads of them jumped out. He said, look like travellers. He says, uh, they were banging on the door. One of them ran in. Lee come out. And he just flattened them all. Just <laughs> one by one, just flattened them all. I was like, fucking hell. But I was, Sean, I was only a kid listening to this. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I want to be the next Lee Duffy. It was absolutely mind-blowing. To, as a kid, when I was listening to these stories, Sean, they really done something to me. Because like, you see this stuff in the movies. And no, you think, this cannot be real. No, no, I know. How can it be real? How can he fucking do, like, multiple... Assailant at the same time. Is it, is, is it just speed, power, everything combined? I think it's, it's that that shot he was possessed. He possessed, you know, the, the speed and power and precision yeah. as well. Because yeah. if, if you know yourself, if you well, like, if you if if you're swinging a punch, you've got it's got to have some power. But it's the the, the time and the position and everything. He had it yeah. all. From yeah. what I know, he's had it, he had it all. Do you know what I mean? And he yeah. was very very fit. Always running, always training. Yeah. You know the way he trained was like wasn't for size. Because he was right, he was a naturally big man anyway, but it was more endurance, more conditioning, and that's how he trained. Yeah, stamina. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, all right. So he's he makes a name for himself then, and he has. How old is he before when when he um, dies? How old was he? I think he was twenty, twenty four, twenty five. All right. So you've Just described like, you've described him. Late he wasn't even a fully man when he died as well. Do you know what I mean? Don't stop growing. Are you what twenty six, twenty seven? So he has a five year run then, basically five or six year run. Mm. He makes his mark as a tough man. What was his next move after making his mark? Then did he get into robbing drug dealers right away, or was that later on? Well, from from what I know, the race like. Like I have a massive connection with Lee, like like in in similarities and personalities and the way I've gone through and that. And from from the research and the stories that have been told, um, he was kind of on a, a bit of a downward spiral with drugs and addiction, and that only leads one way. And take it from me, I know, John, I've I've lived it, and it's like you can you can you can only go on for so long when you're taking that much drugs and you're doing what you do. He had every, he had the world at his feet, you know. So it's like he was slowly deteriorating. He was slowly starting to struggle, but I believe like, was that was that towards the end of that five the end, years. That was yeah, toward, yeah. as when he his like he wasn't even in his pram, but when he got to that that big name status, like he, he he started to spiral out of control a little tiny bit. But with the addiction side of things, from what I from what I know, he would go on, stay awake for days, yeah. drug taking, benders, and, and and become very unpredictable. You know it. it when you when you do that, when you start living that life, it it changes the way you think. It changes the way you you act. You know, some things you become paranoid. All this other stuff comes in, and from what I know, by the time he was at that twenty four age, he was slowly deteriorating in size. His training was lacking. Everything was gone. So it was like, would he? 
I don't know. It's a question I always ask myself because me, I went through a six year of my life going through all that, that addiction side of stuff and I slowly deteriorated, but I come out on the other side and become stronger from it. I would like to think that Lee would have done the same. Do you know what I mean? And this is a message we've got on this channel is don't get gangsteritis because it starts out glitz, glamour, fun oh, yes. in the beginning. You know, the first times you get high, you think, right, this is the meaning of life. This is amazing. But every time you get high, it's going down. You're always chasing that early feeling. And then the dark side of it kicks in. If you've watched any of these gangster movies, there's always the same story arc. It starts out fun. You're the man, Mr. Cool Guy. It's a buzz. Everyone's kissing your ass. You're walking in nightclubs. You've got all the women, whatever you want. But then the cops get onto you. The rivals get onto you. You're doing more and more drugs. And it ends in the prison, police, or, or death. Yep. And this is, you know, we do these interviews. People have been to prison. People have lived these lifestyles to give this important message to young people not to go down that road. Is that something that you would yeah. tell young you people? You would nail on the head, Sean. Jails, institutions, and death. That's the only place you end up. And I'm living proof of that, Sean. And I'm telling you, like, I've, I've, I've done it all. I've told you, like, my personality was moulded on listening to these Lee Duffy stories and becoming wanting to be that next man, losing that fear, the ability to fight, all that stuff. I lived and breathed it because of what I was listening to constant. And, it, and, and it, I couldn't say it any better, Sean. It's like when I become at my peak as a young lad and, and was feared and, and was almost there of being the next Lee and being the artist man in Teesside and all that stuff, it, it clicked in a, overnight. Bosh. It was like too much drugs, Police were onto me, enemies were onto me, everything was getting onto me. You know, I was ruling in relationships, fucking people started to dislike me. Oof, slippery slope. And it's at jails, institutions and death. I had that in, in, in recovery and it just clicked. I ended up in a place where I was left with no options. I'd been to jail, I'd been sectioned. I'd done all that stuff where I'd been, I'd almost died. I was suicidal. When I'd be coming to this, into this place, this, this fellowship, and I heard the words, the only place you end up is jails, institutions or death. And that's where that disease of addiction takes you. And I thought, fucking hell. And you just said it more or less there, Sean, do you know what I mean? I thought, yeah, that, that hit home. And I thought, I've done all them. The only one left for me is death. And some, me. some young people think, right, fast, I can make fast cash dealing drugs. But there's a price, because when you go to prison, you pay the price. You, use, you lose years of your life and you break your mum's heart and all your family members... Your mum's comes and visits you and you're like, what have I fucking done? Oh, it's horrible. It's horrible. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Worst time of my life when I end up in there. But on the next breath, did it save me? Maybe he's, you know, because I come out with a different man. Yeah, yeah. But it can make sure it breaks you, don't it, Sean? Do you know what I mean? Does, yeah. you, you'd either yeah. come out and go, well, that was fuck all. And you're living and breathing it and you're back in and out and in and out and in and out. Because I see lads do that. Institutionalised. Yeah, where for me, mate, it was like, I've got kids and that, man, what are you doing? Yeah. I don't want to be doing that. I've seen them once a week, not knowing who you are properly. It's horrible. Yeah. Horrible. All right, so before we get to like your life story, a few more questions about Lee then. What's the craziest story you ever heard about Lee? Lee? Yeah. Uh, it was a knockabout with uh, a guy called Teddy Stockholm. I don't mind mentioning his name because I have a couple of times on podcasts and he's, good, he's a good friend of mine. Uh, I used to spend a lot of time taking drugs with Teddy and, he, and Lee had kids to Terry's sister and he, he was very close with Terry and I used to sit in awe and listen to Terry talk about Lee and he would tell me all these stories and 
I'll just be sitting listening, listening, listening. And there uh, he says, Paul, he said, he come in one day. Early hours in the night, he said, I'm asleep. He says, yeah. K-k-k. So I opened my eyes like that. I said, a gun in my face. I was like, whoa, what are you doing, Lee? What are you doing? And then get up quick. So he woke up, he said, I comes downstairs. He said, he had fucking piles and piles of drugs. Crack cocaine, cocaine. He had, the table was full. He said, me and you were taking all this. He said, he made me sit and smoke and sniff the lot with him. And when it was almost gone, made him play a Russian roulette. What? Took all the gun bullets out. Boom, clicked the bullet in. Listen, he span it. He went, right, you, you, all go, you go first. He went, no. He went, Ksh. Fuck off. He went, you all go now. Taylor's going, no, 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 I'm not playing, I'm not playing, I'm not playing. Shit. So he went, if you don't do it, I'm going to do it. And he pointed it in the air and went, bang, and blew an hole in the ceiling. <laughs> and on, on Teddy's house, it's all black tiles and one red tile, and you still got the hole in the ceiling. Oh, shit. It. He goes, look. And I was like, wow, he said. Whoa. And he looked at Teddy and went, I was really going to point that at your head there as well. Teddy was like, Teddy said, I said, what do you do? He went, I just ran out of the house, I just bailed. I just started laughing my head off. I was like, wow. Fucking hell. I think Wild Man appreciates that story. He's over here. Bless him. Let's bring him in. He um, was obsessed with Lee Duffy. And he sent me a book, actually. It was um, about fight to the death. Lee Duffy versus Viv Graham. Yeah. He sent me that book when Wildman got out of Arizona prison. He said, you got to read this, man. I heard about these guys when I was in... He was in prison over your way when, when he was a teenager. And, um, yeah, man. But I've, I'm really fascinated by it all as well now. It's um, just where he goes in and just knocks out bouncer after bouncer after bouncer. Well, my lass's dad, my, my partner's dad, um, took him to Newcastle. Yeah. He took him to Newcastle and watched him do that at the dormant and going in and shouting, get Viv down here and stuff like that. Yeah. My last dad was very, very close with him. He'd done it the same to my dad. Point really? To my last dad, pointing the gun at him. Yeah. He pushed out the way and he blew the church roof off. He's fucking... <laughs> he's crazy, man. He's crazy. But it was all like out of banter in his head. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, my yeah. last dad loved him. Lo- like, loves him. He was... Uh, I can't speak highly enough of him and misses him, misses him to death. Do you know what I mean? And Yeah. But in... In them days, it, it, was, it was like, like now it's like, fucking hell. When you think, when you hear the stories, it blows your mind. But in his head, it was just, just banter, like out of banter, do you know what I mean? Ah, I wouldn't have done it really. <laughs> Mental. So, Robin, drug dealers, created a lot of enemies for him. Yeah. And it seems that a lot of people were out to get him by the end. Yeah. So, what, how did it turn from him being on top of the world? to these people getting the better of him? <clears throat> Truthfully, I don't think they ever did get the better of him. But, become too much for him, I'd imagine. Uh, it's like, one of my friends told me, he says, Paul, he says, they pulled up a couple of guys who, 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 who from the local area pulled up and they were, obviously, they were drug dealers, they were getting robbed all the time. So he's pulled up, they jumped out with a shotgun. He stood, he stood outside the pub doing the doors on his own. And they went, yeah. And he's turned around and he's went, fucking do it. Kill me. And he just walked towards him going, go on then. And they just jumped back in the car and fucked off. I said, that sounds crazy, that. I says, uh, why, 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 like, was he worried? Was he frightened? He went, Paul, he said, truthfully, mate, he said, it looked like he wanted them to, do you know what I mean? Like, as if to say, go on then, do it. Like, as if he's sick, do you know what I mean? Wild man, I've got a similar story. So wild man in Arizona, um, he was bodyguarding this guy 
And the guy went into the casino and um, took Wildman to the casino. Sorry. But the guy fell asleep in the car. Wildman's like, right, I'll just fucking take his money then and go in the casino <laughs> and, and gamble it. So he just took his money, went in the casino and gambled it. And um, there was cameras everywhere, wasn't there? Yeah. So the, the guy who was bodyguard ended up seeing the footage of what had happened to himself. <laughs> so he sent a crew down to Tempe, Arizona in a car, all armed. And well, man, you know, he just walks around, fucking carefree, la, la, la. He's walking to the Circle K or whatever. And they pull up in the car with the guns and they're like, right, get in. He's like, why? Well, why should I get in? What are you going to do, shoot me? Come on then, fucking shoot me. <laughs> and he's like, they just drove off. <laughs> they didn't know what to do with him. <laughs> see, that mentality, I think I think when when you see something like that, you just think, yeah, okay, it's not worth it. And they're just, they're yeah. just off, aren't they? It's just, it's just a man. See, when, nine times out of ten, from what you, what you know, it's like people want to see fear and then they yeah. react from that, don't they? Yeah. If, if, so if a man's not shown fear and he just wants to, he's like, fucking do it. <laughs> he's just laughing at him. Like, yeah, yeah. You know? It's mind-blowing, man. <laughs> So, before he died then, didn't he get shot in the foot or something? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He got shot by, uh, I think it was lads from Birmingham, I think. But he was out quite, he was back on his feet quite quickly, wasn't oh, he? You know, he got shot. Yeah, was he was back doing the doors on the castle. Wasn't he dancing on a crutch or something? Yeah. <laughs> Mad. He's, uh, he, had one, he had a cast on and he was still doing a couple of doors. Yeah. Down, yeah. Wow. Mental. He wow. used to stand. Like, after that had happened as well. Yeah. He used to stand. On the main road with his back to the main road, just standing like that. Yeah. You know, and, and, and like my mate used to say, I used to see him after, after he'd been shot and people were after him and things were happening. And you'd hear stories and you'd go through the town and you'd see him stood with his back against the road, just his arms crossed, stood there, like, thinking, you know, like I used to think, now he's off at him. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like a mentality used to go, like, is it this aura, like he's untouchable? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But like, yeah. I don't know, like. Just, just, it's chilling to think in it. Do you know what I mean? When you think about it, thinking he's just stood there, like knowing that, like you, you gotta kill me. Yeah. Do you know. So he gets shot in the foot. Now a guy tries to set fire to him in a pub as well. Yeah. What happened there? He was picking on uh, the guy's brother, or, or, or something along them lines. Did he tried to set fire to the guy's brother? No, no, no. Lee, Lee was Lee was onto the guy's brother or something. He was there. Uh, I think he he was threatening the guys, brother, or doing something along the lines. So this guy who set my light, he uh, he he'd come in and found out that Lee was torturing his brother. So he asked Lee for a couple of quid. He said, "Lend us three quid, Lee." So Lee gave him the three quid. He, and where the pub was, over the road, like through the tunnel, is the petrol station. As the petrol station, so he's walked over on the petrol, him, come in, swilled him, and then tried to light matches, tried to set my light. Jesus. And Lee kicked the fucking shit out of him. Yeah, absolutely. I live just on that doorstep, like right round the cut, like ten seconds away from yeah. that pub where it happened. Absolutely, man. I still see the guy as well today. So he was covered in petrol then. Yeah, but not just Lee. He covered. He covered a few. He covered a few. If he if he'd have lit, excuse me. If he'd have lit that match, I dare say a few people would have went up. So why wasn't the match lit? Couldn't light it. <laughs> I stood there with a light like that. And didn't Lee take some quick action? Like he he ran outside. Ran or outside, stripped his... off. Yeah, yeah. Ran yeah. outside, stripped off. Come back in and kicked the living shot. So he was naked when he beat the guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's been shot. A guy's tried to set fire to him. What actually happened on the night then that he was killed? 
Were they different uh, enemies? I've heard a few stories and uh, I've heard a few stories around it all and, you know, it's truly know what happens. Mm. You always put your finger on it, but I've heard from good sources that, like, he, he, Allo was a tough, tough man himself. Was that the one who tried to set fire to him? No, 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 that's that's the man who, who stabbed okay. him. And he was a tough, tough man, Davey. He was a, he was a tough man. He was he was a fighting man himself. And uh, I think Lee, I'd had a few run-ins in, with him and they were fighting a lot. And, you know, I think Lee was just too much for most men, for, for, for anyone, really. And uh, I think he was given Alloway in a bad way. And what I know is someone slid him a knife. He's managed to get it. Bosch stabbed him under here, in the armpit, main artery. Potentially wouldn't have killed him if someone had a put pressure on. If he had put pressure on and waited maybe 10, 15 minutes for the ambulance to get, he'd still be alive now. But he, he ran, he jumped about and started, you know, a bit more animated and bled to death. Bled to death. To be fair, like, I always think, it was my mum who, it was my mum who very first told me the story when I was a kid. And she said, you know what, son, he'd still be alive now if someone had applied pressure. And I thought, wow, never left me that. I thought, imagine, imagine someone just saving, do you know what I mean? So how does his family feel then about you playing him in the movie? I spoke to Laurie before he passed away about it. Uh, God rest his soul. Very close to Laurie. He was good friends. He was help, I used to help him with the uh, feeding the homeless. He was a Christian man. Um, very, very good man he was. I spoke to him. He wasn't too happy about everything that was going on with Lee. He wanted it kept under, He wanted it kept quiet. He didn't want it all blown up and all. Uh, he didn't want it happening. But... He didn't give me the blessing, but because I, I told him, he said, look, Laurie, this is not about Lee, it's not about, it's about me and my family. Like, if this is going to open doors and open avenues for me as a, as a different career, and it could work for me, and I can provide for my family, I says, I'm going to do it, mate. And he was like, yeah, no problem. Like, look, you're my friend, I've, I've known you all my life, he says, don't worry about it. He says, I'm not happy about it, he said, but it is what it is, isn't it? Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I mean, Jamie says to me, he says, look, Paul, someone rang you up and said, would you play any Ian Huntley tomorrow? I'm going to say, yeah, aren't you? Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. not about the person who you're playing. This is about me. Sean, as selfish as it sounds, I've got three kids. I've got a family. I need, to, I need to do things. I need to think about me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So you've mentioned then South Bank, Teesside, Middlesbrough. We've got a big audience in America. They've probably never heard of these names before. Yeah. Could you explain what they are and what it was like growing up there? South Bank, roughest town in Middlesbrough, maybe. Like... Uh, like the Bronx in America, maybe not as bad. Um Bank's a rough town. A lot of decent fighters, a lot of decent boxers, a lot of tough men from South Bank, Grangetown. South Bank and Grangetown are separated by Cornfield and we're the heart of Middlesbrough, I believe. You've got Middlesbrough Town Centre, then we're just on the outskirts, which is, we're classed as Middlesbrough, you know what I mean? And it's the roughest towns. Everyone has the rough towns and this is what South Bank is. And uh, growing up in South Bank was... Wasn't hard for me. Like it, it, it's my town. Do you know what I mean? It is rough, and it, when you you drive through posh areas, you think, oh, "Where am I living?" But it's my town, and, and, and I love it. And it's, it'll always be in my heart. Everyone knows everyone. It is what it is. Getting a bit messy now. Like years ago, like I look back at them years, and you you you, you Lee Duffy's, you Anthony O's, you Peter O's, all them, your Brian Cockrell's, all them hard men who would fight, and then you know just fight. And, and, and sort the differences out that way. It doesn't happen like that now, Sean. All the cameras and everything. Yeah, not only that, mate. People are put a fucking mask on and stab you in the back, yeah, whack yeah. you with a hammer. Put acid on your face. Yeah. yeah. My eyes, 
very, 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 very cowardly act mm. in my eyes. If uh, like call me old school, but if I've got a difference with someone, I would much rather meet him on the field, see who's the best man, and shake hands. And that's how it's got to be. But it, it doesn't work this way now. Even the old school like Italian mafia guys I interviewed don't harm women, don't harm kids. You know, yeah. you've got a beef with another person in the fucking business, you take it out on them, you know, whack them. Yeah. But not at, when they sat there with the wife and kids and shit like that. That's it. Yeah. That's yeah. it. I mean, even even if you if if you're in the night if you're in a night game, you can still have morals. You can still stamp you can still have standards. You can still go like for example they saying no women, no kids. You still you can still buy your time, you can still sort it out, do you know what I mean? It's just he who dares wins in it, do you know what I mean? But it's yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I like I look back at the old days and 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 I wish I, I wish I was born in them days because I just think sounds like a right barrel of laughs. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's see now, mate. It's no one respects the hard man as much as they used to. Then mm. it doesn't matter how good you fight, how good a fight you are, how hard you are, Sean. It doesn't matter now. Yeah. What matters now is, is these kids have ride past on a bike now and fucking put it all in you, yeah. or stab you. This when they should be in now. boxing rings and dojos and challenging that energy in that that 100%, way. One hundred percent. One percent. Yeah. So another parallel in your and Lee's lives is that you were bullied as well. Yeah. What happened was, there? When I was a kid, I was uh, <coughs> a bit overweight, two different coloured eyes, fair head, ginger, you know. Uh, kids can be cruel, picked on to the point where I didn't want to go to school, crying. Uh, got to the point, got, it got really bad, to be fair, where I was worried about going, I couldn't sleep on the night. I was telling my dad, my dad was up and down to school. And my dad was a, a big, heavy man himself. He was a bodybuilder. Not a fighting man, just a lovely man. Like, could handle himself, not a pushover. And uh, he got that sick of going up and down the school. He was a very emotional man when he'd done this. And he was like, grab my bag and fucking put a knife in my bag and went, fucking stab him. I'm fucking sick. And he was upset. And he was very upset. And my man was like, whoa, what are you doing? What are you doing? But he was seeing his boy crying. He didn't know what else to do. And he just pulled it out and he went, look, I'm sorry, son, I'm sorry. He said, he's not going, keep him off school. And that's how bad it got for me, Sean, do you know what I mean? We got bad to the point where, like, dad took me to boxing. He was like, right, go there for a few days. I went there for a few weeks. I didn't like it in there. I, I just couldn't find my feet, Sean, do you know what I mean? And it, and it was a bit, it was difficult for me being a child, feeling different and with all that low self-worth that I was suffering with. But by the time I was in secondary school, it's some sharp change, like... I just something flipped in my mind where, you know, I'll fight back, and it and it and the table's turned, mate. <laughs> I know Lee caught up with some of his bullies later on. Yeah. Did you run into any of your bullies later on? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I I, I seek revenge most times, but I kind of I, I kind of didn't have to. Like it wasn't. It was it was just kids. But when I got to a certain age where I was fifteen, sixteen, I'd I, I'd built a reputation for myself as as like an hard kid and I was doing all that stuff with like Lee Duffy I would walk from different school who's the artist in the school and the kid would say me and I'd say well, come on then and then you were doing I was doing all that that Lee Duffy mentality that's what I'd become and I was doing all that and I was looking for the artist kid I would walk up to a group of people who's the artist here and they'd be like oh me and I'd be like Ooh. lifting him and then before you know it it was like I actually become friends with the kids who bullied us and stuff like that because we're all from the same area South Bank and that it was it was different then do you know what I mean yeah yeah but yeah. <laughs> so you started to fight back, look after yourself. Obviously, you came up, you know, became this fighter later on. What kind of got you into the fighting properly? So it was Sean. Like 
when I was making a name for myself, it was uh, I was I was more focused on football. Sean, by the time I was fifteen, sixteen, I was in that with clubs. I was there. Uh, I trials for different teams. I was I was a big set every lad, but I was I was quite athletic. I was quite athletic. I was still good at most things I put my mind to. And I was uh, I was at Hartlepool on trials for a while. I was playing for Hartlepool for about two years, and I got released for being too heavy. Couldn't lose weight. Um, I started when I was about 16, 17, I got kicked out of college. I was doing all types of stuff for football and that. And I just thought, you know what, I'm sick of this. So I put the football on the back burner. And uh, I had a kid early. And then what was happening is I started finding my feet on, like, with the, the drugs and, and the easy money life and stuff like that by the time I was 17, 18. And I was in a pub and uh, just drinking and having a few perkers and whatnot. <laughs> And fucking these Muslims come in, and they were they had the kickboxing gym in South Bank, and he popped his head in. He was called Nad, and he went, "Ollie, Ollie Paul." He said, "Oh, we don't mate." I went, "I'm all right." He went, "Do us a favour, mate." He said, "You can have a fight, can you?" I went, "Yeah, yeah." I said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, of course can you?" He went, "There's a lad pulled out of a fight. I'm off for a show and here. Do you want to have a fight?" <laughs> and I was like, "Nah, nah, nah, nah." But all the lads were like, "No, you have to. You have to. It'll be class." I went, and it was me. It was me. It was one of my pal's birthday, and he went, "Look, you have to do it. It's me, it's me birthday." I was like, oh, "Sack it, all right then." I'm full of beak and full of lager and that sort of flies home, tries to get freshened up. I comes back, I gets changed and all that. I says, right, oh, am I fighting? And he went, ah, just some lad. And I was like, no, no, oh, am I fighting? He went in there. I looked at him, he was about six foot seven. I was like, what? Oh my God, I don't believe this. <laughs> everyone got wind of it. The pub, everyone come round, started watching it. And it was my first ever fight, like properly in the ring and all yeah. that. I never trained, never done anything. And I knocked this lad out. Third round. Holy shit. Oh, and then I, I started getting into it a little bit. <laughs> after that, after that, it was like a bit of a hype now when it was, everyone was like, oh. Anyway, there was a, Tony Robbo was doing boxing shows, EBF, white collar boxing, unlicensed boxing. And he says, Ben, why don't you box? Why don't you fight? And I was like, nah, can't be asked. And he was like, I'll pay you well. I went, all right, yeah. So I started boxing, doing the unlicensed boxing. I was doing EBF boxing. Um, bear in mind, Sean, I'd never stepped foot. Like, I'd only been in boxing gym when I was a kid. I was doing pads with the lads. That was it. Not really a boxer. I wasn't. I was just a tough kid. I was just going to have a fight, and I was just up for it. And uh, I started fighting on Tony Robbo's shows. And uh, my first fight, I knocked a kid out in the first three seconds. <laughs> then I knocked this other lad out. Then I fought a decent kid called uh, Canu, who was beating everyone. A big, giant kid. Beat him. Then Gary Fairby. Oh yeah, we had uh, Gary on the podcast. Gary Fairby turned up, and uh, I I got the fight in a week's notice. I wasn't really much of a trainer anyway. I was smoking a shitload of weed. I was I was full of addiction and drugs at the time when I was boxing, but I was in shape. I was full of. I was I was just keen. I was just a tough kid, and uh, Gary Gary Fairby turned up, and it was my first ever lesson, like a boxing lesson he gave me. But luckily enough, I won because I dropped him like most rounds see he was he was a good boxer Gary and uh, it was the first ever proper fight I'd been in the ring with and he boxed me head off but how did he get yeah he was just sharp and he was like he had a lot of skills he he, he was just very schooled very good boxer and he, he, he was what he was when I could hit him I managed to drop him and I managed to so when you drop someone you win the round yeah so I, I, I took I took the fight and I won the fight yeah I went the distance with Gary and won on points and after that, that was when I thought, I need to train me. Because if I come up against another good boxer, I'm going to get beat. So I started training. I started training hard and getting into it. And uh, I didn't fight for about two months. And then a fight come up against a kid called Wes Smith, who was a, a very good fighter, a very good boxer, for Britain's hardest storming. 
And uh, I took the fight. I took the fight. I, I was trained hard for it. I took the fight and uh, I knocked him out in the first round. But I was actually decent. And I, and, I, and I battered him, knocked him out in the first round. And then... Um, I know people watching this and be like, where can we see these fights? Is there any well, online? Were, do you know what, Sean? They were all on YouTube. The, the, all the white-collar boxing. I even had bare-knuckle boxing fights on there because I'd had a couple of bare-knuckle as well. And I'd had a couple of fights on fields and stuff like that that people were recording. And um, I had to get them off when I turned pro. Because mm. okay, how, how it worked was... Anyway, after that West Smith one, I went to jail about two weeks later. Mm. I went to jail for... Uh, Firearms and shit like that, do you know what I mean? So, so you've got like this positive life of fighting, but on the other side, the lifestyle as well yeah. of crime and drugs. Yeah. How how was how are you tr juggling that during those years? What what see Sean the, the the fighting I was telling you about there. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm grateful for it, and and the lad who was promoting it, it was a very good friend of mine, Tony, and, he, and I love him to bits. But was it really? positive fighting thing I don't, I don't know because right. it was all ego who's the artist Ugh. it was all that and uh, but the health and fitness side of it you were trying to maintain were you yeah in, in a, I was yeah but I was a drug fueled maniac as well as a <laughs> I, I was taking drugs I was steroids I was training and it was just it all stemmed from being the the artist ego pride everything was involved in, in standing in that ring and fighting in front of all the Middlesbrough and and, and and that's what it was all about for me. And I couldn't get beat. I had to be the hardest man ever. And that's what was my mind frame was when I was doing them white collar boxings and I was doing the, the, the bare knuckle and stuff like that. That's what all my mind frame was. I just want to fucking fight and I want to be prove myself. And then uh, it was hard to juggle it all. It got it spiraled out of control. A similar to Lee's story, I started robbing and and doing very bad stuff to, to get to feed my habit now. Because, like I said about Lee's story, where he reached his, this this hard man status. And sometimes, like for me, when I look back on the work I've done on my head, and I think, was it pressure? Was it like outside putting this mask on and going, I'm the biggest, baddest man? And then when I was in and sat on my own, and I was with my family, I was like, I'm not really that guy, me. Like, I'm not really. But then it was too late to turn back. I had to put this mask on every morning, step out that front door and go, puff my chest out and be this person that... Did I really want to be him? I don't think I did, Sean, but... It's got to get stressful. Yeah, it was. It was too much. And and I just fucking... It it, it rock bottom it like very, very fast. I fucking hit crack cocaine, cocaine, ecstasy, everything apart from anyone. And and that, and that was just a yes for me, Sean. And it fucking sent me rock bottom it. What motivated you to rob people? Drugs. Just to take their drugs? Just to take drugs. To drugs and money. To, re to resell the drugs or to get high off the drugs? Bit of both both yeah and what was your like did you case a house out did people tell you where people were selling drugs what was the procedure was there a routine no no it wasn't there was nothing nothing clever about it nothing no planned or all that it was just like i think he sells drugs in van does he <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah and, and sometimes i would go in and it, it, the lad would be looking at me going oh, i don't even sell drugs and i'm like oh my god and then I'd be out the house, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Were there any situations where you went in and people pulled guns on you or anything? Knives and shit like that, do you know what I mean? I, I got I got ran over. I I, I got fucking battered with pickaxe handles, went in and out, in and out. And I, a lot of situations where... Have you got a story you can tell us of one house? Because I know with the tax man, he tells a story of where he almost got killed in one house. Yeah, well, nothing... Not, I mean, I went in, I went in, I went in one house and... Uh, 
I think it was a bit of a setup. Like to be fair, when I went in, as I got halfway in, opened the door. Poof, it was like they were waiting for me. Do you know what I mean? I'd just been fucking levered. Put my arm. What baseball bats? So. Like pickaxe handles and fucking bats and everything. Yeah. So I managed to get out and bail, and then a uh, couple of days I'd stayed in the town where I, where I was, and um, I'd been awake for about two days. And I steps out, and the car just come flying through the garden. Poof, it just runs us over, but I managed to jump a little bit, end up over the top. And as I've got up, I've turned, and again just just jumped out and just shot the fucking hitters. But I was just oh, dodging shit. and jumping about and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? I just managed to get away like a few times. <laughs> I mean, did that situation make you want to rethink what you were doing, or did you just no. like buzzing off it? I think I, I, at the time, the frame of mind I was in, it was like onto the next session, then go, should have seen what just happened, and then buzzing from it and telling the story, and then going, ah, this has just happened, that's just happened. Fucking, yeah. do you know what I mean? It was like when I look back at it now, I think, oh god, wow. Were, were you thinking this is exactly what lead our lead off he was? Yeah, all the time. I'm doing exactly what he was doing. Yeah, and, that, and that's that's kind of what kept me dry. Will drive me into that life. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Where banging on someone's door and going, tell you what, kids, just give us half of what you got and you can keep the rest. And I'm walking off thinking, sound Anna. But I'm thinking, no, you just fucking robbed the kid. Do you know what I mean? Fucking out of order. Were you a lone wolf tax man or did you partner up with any other tough guys? No, no, I was I was always on my own. Lone wolf. Yeah, yeah. And did you have a missus at this point? You said you had a kid. Yeah. And was she like were you doing her head in with all your oh, behaviour? My missus. I've been with my missus in school, Sean. Like, like 15, 16 year old, 20 years we've been together. I know first Ben when she was 16. Wow. I know, poor lass. So I, I, she's my rock. She's, she's, she saved my life, my missus and my kids. Like, I got clean for me, Sean. I, I, like, I, done, I, I worked on my head and worked on recovery and worked on changing my lifestyle for them, but mostly for me. And, and my missus is my fucking rock. So was she telling you off during this period of time oh, of your life? Oh, I want mental. Mental. Yeah, yeah. She's talking opposite, Sean. She's she's a she's the good girl, the goody two shows. I was the I was the bad lad getting kicked out of school. That's what you need though to ground you, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Total opposite, but yeah. like total opposite, but yeah, we have so much in common. And and and, and that's why we're a match made in heaven, do you know what I mean? Not yeah. only that, Sean, like to have her still. I, I know. am fucking very blessed. Yeah. Very, very blessed. What a bond right there from you know, from so for so long. Mm. So how did it end up with you getting your first arrest? <clears throat> um, obviously people were getting sick of me, you know, like similar to the, the least story, you start getting targeted and all that stuff. People were getting sick of me, I was fucking causing havoc. Uh my house got shot up the blast of my dorm, blasted my house up, shot all my house up and that way, my kids in that way. That and was I'd, people you'd robbed? Yeah. And my head just went, it just went sideways. And uh, I armed myself, Glock 17, it was only a replica, but I, but it was like the things I was doing with this gun, you know what I mean? I was in the midst of trying to find out who it was. I was like running in a house, putting people's heads, and people, people were showing it was real and would curl up in a ball and go, ah. Then as I'd leave that house, police would get called. So they were like one step ahead of me and now I'm going into the next house and the next house and the next house and causing havoc with this gun. And then it was just a fucking massive destruction causing trail of fucking just of madness. Wow. Do you know what I mean? And as they caught up with me onto the next house I was going, they caught up to me in a taxi. And uh You should make a movie about your life. Just swarm, <laughs> as well as Lee. They just swarmed me, jumped on me, remanded me. And uh they all through this all through this madness, I'm 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 fucked now, Sean. Like my head's gone. I'm 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 Crying, I'm, I knew how fucked I was. I, I didn't want to be here no more. But yeah, I'm wanting to fucking go out with a bang. 
and I'm just crying to my mum, I'm crying to my lass, and I'm on the phone. My mum phoned the police. That's who got. That's who told them. That's who got. When you arrested. say go out with a bang, do you mean get arrested in style or go down in a shootout? I wasn't asked. I, I don't know what I was thinking. I just I wasn't asked if I lived or died, Sean. And that was the place I was at. That, you know, that, that's where my head was at that time. Yeah. I wasn't really bothered. If I'd have had out of that gun at the time, luckily, what I'd done was I'd put it under the taxi driver. Yeah. And I didn't. And I was out my head. I didn't even see the police until I had the, the hands on my shoulders and they pulled me out of the car. And I'm trying to reach for that gun. Yeah. And yeah. they just poof, grabbed me on the floor. And response. If I'd have got that, I'd have grabbed it and fucking pointed at him. Jesus. I reckon I would have. You couldn't, wouldn't have been here, would you? No. So, what was it like then, getting taken in that that time by the armed response? What happens next? I got, uh, sh- straight, I had drugs on me. I had fucking all types of different drugs. I had drugs in that sock, drugs in this pocket. I had everything. And I knew I was fucked. I, like, like, I was, t- like, I just remember, like, it was all a blur because I was so high and so off my head. And I'm like, I'm going to jail here. And I'm, um, I get to put in the room. Uh, and I just sort of come to terms in my head. No, when you're like a release, like as if there's like. There is a relief, isn't there? Yeah. When you're on the like, run from, yeah, was, for a while. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, was yeah. just like a relief and a release. And I just remember laying in this, in this room, I'm passing out and just sleeping. And then when they come for me, they give me a phone call. And I just blabbered over this phone call and dropped myself right in it. I just said, so last year I've had a gun, it's my gun. There was no fingerprints on it, no nothing. And I just blew myself self right up on this phone oh. and then put the phone down and then my solicitor says, you blew yourself up on that phone. I went, confessed. And I, do you know what, Sean? Yeah. I wasn't asked. Yeah. I thought, I'm going to end up dead. Like, like, at least in here, I can try and save myself. Do you know what I mean? Like something yeah. can di- It's something different in my life. Nothing else is working. Sean had been sectioned for weeks. Mm. Fucking going cuckoo, seeing, seeing stuff that wasn't there. Section for weeks, is that before the arrest? Yeah, that was... See, before I got locked up, Sean, there was a five-year period of me just out of it every day, whilst boxing, whilst fighting. I, I mean, I, I had a major, I had a sneaky problem of crack, but I was like, in my head, I was an undercover crackhead, like no one knew, but yeah, everyone knew. Do you know what I mean? But I'm like, someone see you fucking crackhead, I'm going, oh fuck, oh fuck, I'm a fuck, but really I am. And it was just a cork and this MCAT that come out. Have you ever heard of you ever hear that? MCAT, MCAT, I've heard of it, yeah. That ruined my life. That's what it was. Like, that was every day for five years. Yeah. And Sean, when I was in jail, it was, me, it was my birthday and my lass had come to see me. I'd only been in a few weeks. And she says, uh, I says, oh, that was a mad year, wasn't it? Like, what, being out there. She went, how old do you think you are? I went, 21, Anna. She went, you're fucking 24, you gunk. She went, you're daft, you're 24 year old. And I had literally thought... That I was 21. <laughs> that five years of my life had just gone because it was just all a blur. That because it was just it had just gone that mad. You wow. know what I mean? It puts a cloud in your head, doesn't it? The drugs. Yeah. It scrambles your decision making process. Yeah. But you don't know that cloud is there until it lifts. Yeah. I remember when my cloud lifted. I look back. I was like, "Fucking hell! What have you just done for the last ten years?" Fucking mental. <laughs> I, Sean, I, I do this me because when I start when I like when I start when I got this movie role and I started. Uh, Working out, I, I I still had to research my own life and find out what was real and what wasn't. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because I like I, I, in that it was even though it was all a blur, and I and I used to tell a story and I'd think, no 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 wait there, am I telling the truth there? And I think, I don't think I am. So then I would I would go find the people who were there and they'd go, oh yeah yeah that that happened. I remember that then. Fucking hell, that happened. You know what I mean? When I did when I did my book party, it's time I had to interview people out of America who was part of my crew and um, they were just telling me stories and I. Fucking, you're so high. 
you just, there comes a point in your drug taking life that your memory starts to go about yeah. things. Yeah. And they're telling me things I did that I can't remember yeah. doing. I have stuff like that now. See, I, I'm, I've been clean for years now, Sean, and, and I can still wake up in the middle of the night and I've, and something will pop in my mind to what I've done while I was off it. And I'd yeah. go, oh, and, I, and my skin would crawl. Yeah. And, and then I, I can't sleep. And, yeah, and I'm just yeah. sat, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah. and I just think, I can't believe it. It's that shower of shame, that shower of guilt, what you lived in, because then I had no conscience. Yeah. I do now. And it all comes swimming, <laughs> all comes flying back to me, do you know what I mean? And it kills me. Drugs erodes the conscience. Yeah. So you got sectioned before the arrest then. Yeah. What, what was sec being sectioned like? And how did that oh, come about? What happened was, I'd been awake for six days, straight. I was uh, sniffing MCAT, taking crack. <sighs> absolute f shadow of a man I mean I sit in front of you now 19 stone and I've always been a big heavy set lad and I looked like an head on like Sean I was fucking bony thin massive head but just looked ill I'd had a I think I'd had a bag of quavers in six days I was I, honestly this is nowhere of a lie I remember trying to eat a bag of quavers because I hadn't had nothing to eat and I'm just drinking alcohol and water and uh, I just sat there and I just I just started seeing things and I'm saying to the lads can you see him there? And they're like, no, he's not there, Paul. And I just got this bad trip. Like, honestly, Sean, I, like this trip, it was, it's as real, like when I think about it now, it's as real as me and you sat talking. This man was sat in front of me and he was a big, big African looking man. What was unreal, by the way? And he got up and I'm going, you're not, like, and I'm saying, you're not real, you're not real. And my mates are fucking starting to get frightened now. They're going, Ben, there's no one there. And he went, and he, he says to me, I'll show you how real I am. And I'm like, can you see him? They went, no, he come up and put me in the eye. <laughs> and I went, ah, and no, because, like, when I spoke to doctors and that, I says, look, like, my eyes started watering and went all red. And they went, yeah, because your brain was telling you it was real. So and when I looked, like, I moved and I looked in the mirror like that, all my eye was red and watering. So I ran. I must have ran about 12 miles. Oh, and shit. I was running, running, and I ran home. And as I burst in the house, I only had my little girl at the time. And my, my missus was with my little girl. And as I got in the house... He was there in my house, this guy. No. So I've jumped on him. And I'm thinking, I've got him like this. I've got him like this. And he's saying to me, if you leave go of me, I'm going to kill them. So I'm shouting my lass and bear, like, get out, get out, get out. So my lass like, what's going on here? So she bails. My dad comes down. And he's he's looking at me going, son, there's no one there. And I'm going, dad, get out, I've got him. And they're going, no, there's no one there. So I'm leave go of him. And my dad's upset. There's no one there, there's no one there. And I'm going, he is, he is. Ambulance come, I got sedated, fucking, I got sectioned. The scariest thing was, Sean, about being sectioned, mate, is like, I'd been to sleep and I'd woke up and he was still there. No. So it was like there for about four days. Like I was proper, this psychosis shit that was going on in my head. I thought, I knew, I was at breaking point. I thought, I'm never going to come back from this here. I'm done here. If he's still there. And I'm, I remember like trying to lie to the to the people, the nurses, and I'm, I'm sat there like, ah. And then every, when they were turning the back, I'm going, and like, trying to hit him but in my head I was hitting him and he was falling over and then when I'm looking at that and they're talking to me next thing you know what would happen is they'd go Paul come and have a look at this and they'd show me the cameras me swinging in fresh air see I could see him but on the camera he wasn't there so they're going oh he's swinging up there I'm going no one they're going what are you doing there and I'm going that's, that's why they kept me in because they knew I was lying and I was still having this trip yeah. and one I was in there for about two weeks and one day I woke up and he was, wasn't he was gone Wow. and I was like fucking hell and I thought that was close like I knew how close I was to over, to just flipping over the edge, yeah. to being never like beyond return. You know, like that craziness. What does it take to get out of being sectioned? I I, I just had to 
I just had to play the game. Do you know what I mean? Just, just, just crack on and just play the game and and realize, like, do you know what? Like these are trying to help me. They don't want me to be crazy. And and, and the more I sat and spoke to them and, and shared my stuff with them and like what was going on, the more they realized, you know what? He's getting back to normal now. He's all right. Him. Yeah. So after a couple of days of my 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 the psychosis trip that I was having, he was gone. And they could see I was getting more normal and normal every day. And then they just released me, but they gave me a lot of medication. And um, I just was on this medication for a while, do you know what I mean? And, and before you know it, it, just everything was normal. But then me being the fucking addict that I was, just went straight back on it. Mm. And ended up back losing the plot again. So then you get arrested by the armed squad. Yeah. You put on in jail and you make the call that implicates yourself... And then what? what's your housing conditions like inside at that point? Are you like in a single cell in a dorm? You're unsentenced? What, when, when I got sentenced, when I was, when For, I, when when I got took, like, to prison? First get arrested, what's the first facility you were housed in? Uh, it, you're in the cells, aren't you? You're in, in the cells. In, in the cop shop, actually, in the cells. I was there for two days. Just at a local police station? Yeah, with paper suit on. Yeah. It took all my clothes, plimsolls. Yeah. Fucking. So do you see a judge at that point? I seen the judge on the Monday morning. And straight remanded, I got. Oh, you got bailed out? No, no, remanded, I got straight away. Just like, they, 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 I didn't get no bail. Okay. They just went right, take him to prison. Straight gotcha. In the, gotcha. Straight in the paddy wagon. Yeah. In this paper suit, plimsolls, bang, straight at home house. So you're fight, fighting your case then for how long? Seven months. Seven, seven eight months. months. But I went guilty straight away. Yeah. yeah. I went guilty straight away. The judge was telling me, like, look, you, you like, because the, the reputation that I had, the policeman knew me, everyone knew me. I was down on paper as this underground fucking fighter who was a fucking terror, like terrorizing the city. And um, the judge was just went off on me. He was like, You fucking getting that. I'll give you nine years for your reputation alone. You are a menace to society, Mr. Venice, and all this stuff. And I was like, Oh my God. So I goes into, into the, and sits down with my solicitor, and he was like, Look, this judge hates you. He says, I don't know what I'm going to do. I went, What am I looking at? He went, About nine years. And I went, Shut up. He went, I'll get you seven with a guilty plea. And I started going mad, started kicking off. I was like, get out, get out. Like, shut up, you idiots. It's a fucking replica. Wouldn't have had no cunt unless I'd have written with it. I said, get out. And this this other guy come in called Dave, David uh, David Nicholson, or David, David Summit, he was called, solicitor. And he popped his head and he went, I've just read your case. I've just listened to your case there, Paul. He says, I reckon I'll get you five years with a guilty plea, 20% off that. I went, sit down, mate. So he sat down, started speaking to him, and he got me what he said, do you know what I mean? And yeah. uh, I was happy with that. Yeah, that's that's because you have to do what fifty percent in this country. You do half, do you know what half I mean? You do yeah. half, yeah. I didn't get the I didn't get the remand time back. Right. So, but I wasn't asked because from from nine year to seven year, my last was crying and I'm thinking, oh my god, I just my little boy had just been born, mm. so I was like, oh fuck's sake, and my head was done in, my first time in prison. Yeah. Uh, I just thought for some reason when that life I was living, I don't know why I was that deluded. I never thought I'd end up in prison. So when I was there, I was like, shit. Because the here. drug sells you, you're the man. Yeah. You're out, you're smarter than the cops. You're like a character out of a movie. You're living like Lee Doffy. You're never going to get caught. It's the drugs selling you that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Fucking deluded. It's like you're living in a world of fantasy. Yeah, yeah. But there's no one to put the brakes on. You surround yourself with people in the, from the fucking nightlife and you're all reinforcing each other's yeah. insanity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, then. So once you got sentenced, then, did you get moved to a different prison? No, I, my last wasn't driving at the time, bro. So I, I was. I remember speaking to a lifer, and I was like, "Look, I can't fucking get shipped out here. I need to stay in this prison because it was right on the doorstep." Which one was it? Home house. Home house. So I was like, "Look, I need to stay here." I was like, "What can I do?" Do you know what I mean? And he was like, 
have you got anything wrong with you? Like, can you get on medical holds? And I'd had that, I'd, I'd had that many operations and ban like fucking bangs on my hands from fighting and burning. Well, I'd had loads of operations. He said, get your hands checked. He said, but you might have early stage of arthritis. Get on medical hold. So I put it up in medical holds. Turns out that I had like a bit of arthritis in my right hand and I was getting my left hand tested and all that. So they put me on medical hold. Anyway, that was coming to an end after a few months. So we're trying to ship me out. And then I went on the therapeutic wing, TC, not like a, like a drugs habilitation uh, wing. I went on that and uh, you're on all for 12 months. So I just seen out my sentence at the home house on that. But they, I had to sign a thing. They said, you can get cat D in six months. So you can get released like a, like a home on the weekends or... You can go on, on the therapeutic wing for twelve months, and you won't get you won't get home leaves and that. I just went, put me on home leave, put me on the housebox six. I'm a bothered even signed that. Just signed it and just done my full time. Do you know what I mean? Did you have your own cell or did you have cellmates? Uh, before I was sentenced, I had I had a couple of different pad mates, uh, a couple of gobshites, a couple of a couple of them were alright, but uh, I hated it. I hated it. It done my head in, do you know what I mean? It was forever chasing, chasing them, forever changing. When I got sentenced, I was classed as high risk because of my offence. So bang, I went straight into a single pad and I spent the remainder days in, in a single pad, do you know what I mean? So one of Wildman's videos that went viral was what happens to big men in prison? <laughs> because it can go two ways, can't it? I mean, people think, right, I don't want to fight him because he's going to fuck me up. Or if I fight him and beat him, I'm going to earn a reputation. Yeah. How was it for you? <clears throat> Magic was easy. Like the one thing without without the drugs, Sean, without the drugs and without without all that bad shit going through my head. Me as a man, as calmed and chilled, I know what I'm capable of. I'm not gonna have a fight, but I'm good. I'm sound. I've got a true heart. So when I was through my sentence, it was like I had nothing to prove. But if anyone wanted it, they could have had it. But they knew. Like I'd already made a name for myself. Like, they kind of knew. Do you know what I mean? Like it wasn't gonna be a beat, beating a fight by anyone in there. Do you know what I mean? But I just, I got my head down. I've done my time. Do you know what I mean? So like, nobody started any shit with you? Nah, nah. That's good. And, and I, was in the home, I was in my own prison. So it was, you'd been a very stupid man if you were going to start shit with me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Plus there yeah. was a lot of my friends in there as well. So we all just treated it like a youth club, Sean. Yeah, I can imagine. Do you imagine. know what I mean? Did you meet Shane Taylor in there? No. If, if you've not seen Shane Taylor's story, it's very rare I listen to my own podcast after they filmed... But I did listen to Shane Taylor's Knife Maniac's Redemption. Man, that's one of the craziest. He didn't just go out with a knife. He had the kitchen set wrapped around him. I'll put it in the description box if you want to watch it. Right. What happened with... See, this was the start of me changing. This is what saved my life from, from that that type of lifestyle, what we've just spoke about, uh, Sean. Um, I goes to the library. I mean, I'm not a stupid kid. I could read. I'm, I'm doing all right. Do you know what I mean? So I goes to the library for fuck it, I'll get a book. Starts looking at these books and that. And uh opens this book. I seen it like reinformed criminals and all that stuff. I grabs it and I just put my thumbs in it and opened it. And it, it was Shane. And I was like, eh, so I fucking know him. Going back in time, means I took a lad to fight Shane's cousin. And Shane was there. And uh I was my mate was getting beat. Like, he wasn't winning the fight, and I was half tempted to join in. I was getting closer and closer, and he just whipped this fucking knife out. And, I mean, I'd had knives pulled out on me. I'd had all that stuff done. But this guy, I'd just look in his eye where he went. And I remember, like, yesterday, he went to me, if you join in, I will fucking kill you stone dead. And he looked at me, he went, listen, I'll stick this right in your neck, I'll kill you. And I looked at him, and I thought, he definitely will him, like. 
I just knew. I've had people pull knives out and go, ah, and you sort of know. Just got goosebumps from you telling me that one. He he looked at me and I knew he would have killed me him. So I was like, fucking hell. So I went, look, I'm splitting up, even gone on. So I split it up. That was it. I started seeing him dotting around South Bank. As youth, as us youth, youth lads, 14, 15, 16 year olds, we used to do a lot of bad shit. We used to beat smack heads up, do all that shite, like pathetic shite. And we used to see Shane dotting about. Well, I remember one of my mates going, here. And he, Shane was just stood in his middle of the road staring at us all. And he's a couple of years older than us. And he went, here, mate, who's he looking at him there, Venna? And I went, leave him alone. I said, something wrong with him, leave him alone. And he fucked off. Anyway, gets his book. His address was in it. I write to him. Do you remember me and all that? He went, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking comes in to see me. And this guy who sat at my table on his visit wasn't the guy who I remember this killer in his eyes and this this man would kill. And it was this guy who was just big, loving, Christian man. And I went, do you remember me? He went, yeah, of course I do. He went, how are you doing? And I told him the story about what I just told you. And he was like, yeah. He said, Paul, do you know when them days, when, when I used to stand and stare at people there, he said, I used to have a roll of kitchen knives all around my waist. He said, so if you were to come, I'd have had two knives. And he said, and trust me, Paul, I would have killed you. He said, I'd have definitely killed one or two of you. And I was like, yeah, no, I seen it in your eyes. I definitely knew that. Anyway, I built a relationship up with him. <laughs> he come to visit me every week. He wrote to me every week, sent me money in. I built a, a very healthy relationship with him. And uh, this guy was amazing. He blew my, he blew my mind. And um, it was the start of something great for me because I, I started becoming up minded about Jesus, about God. I started to be open-minded about a higher power, Sean. I didn't feel like anything would save me. And I, I just thought, this man could only be saved by God because he was a fucking killer, out-and-out killer. And like you said, Sean, his, his story, his fucking, he was top six deadliest prisoners. He was in the top six, he was in a prison inside a prison inside a prison. After we filmed it, while well, I'm on the way home, he was like, he's dangerous, him. For him to say that. <laughs> he was dangerous, mate. And I I know this guy now like 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 the back of my hand is my brother. And he, and I've heard more stories, the way he thought, how obsessive he was uh, uh, about certain things. And I thought, he is a fucking absolute lunatic. And the only way he was... Um, I don't believe anything could have changed him. Only something that is it can't be explained. And uh, he told me about God. And he spoke about God. Never battered on about me about it. I've had people talk about God to me before, and I thought, my God, shut up, Bawabasha. Can't be done with you here. When he spoke about God to me, Sean, something changed. Something changed in my heart and my, my head. And I just thought, you know what? There's a possibility he's telling the truth for you. So I've done a bit of, bit of soul searching, a bit of a bit of praying, a bit. Of, I don't know what I've done. When I come out of prison, I become open-minded about it massively. And I started thinking about it a lot. I stayed in touch with Shane. I've done a lot, of, a lot of meeting up with him, a lot of conventions, a lot of talking with him. Uh, shout out to Shane and massive shout out. If to you're Shane. watching this, viewers, please put in the comments if you'd like to see Shane come back on and do a part two. Yeah, be great. Yeah. So I started getting a. a, a, a I built this brotherhood with Shane where he was a. He become like my higher power because all I wanted to hear about was how he changed and his story and. Like, like how? Do you know what I mean? Because I was blown away. Because, Sean, trust me, you met him with this nice care and look in his face. If you would have known him when I knew him, he was a fucking maniac. Have you got any other stories from when he was back then? <laughs> no, no. Like, I, I, like, I knew, 
I didn't really know of him. I just remember him from then and I just knew it never left me. And there's a reason why it never left me, Sean, because this day and age where he would come into my life like that and that never left me, Sean. I thought, why did, why did I remember that? Because that man actually meant what he said and I'd never seen anyone like that. I'd already, if someone said, I'll kill you, I, I, it just got me mad and I wanted to attack. Where when he said it, I fucking believed him. Like, and I'd never felt that way do you know, ever in my life. I just thought, he definitely will him, like. Because he went into a psychosis when he was stabbing people, didn't he? Yeah, he blacked the way out. He described like it that. on that podcast. I, 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 I know you won't mind me saying this, Shane, but he's told me stories like when he was in that psychosis mind, when he was in that maniac state, he would watch, what's the film? Is it Casino? No, he's stabbing him in the back of the car. Oh, yeah. He, he used to watch that over and over again. And it, but bear in mind, he knew the feeling. With that suction because he'd do it and he said and it would this buzz he said it was like a drug to me and I thought fucking, I used to think bloody hell shame man you are a fucking I thought good job God, God saved you mate because you are a fucking lunatic mate but he's my, he's my lunatic now he's, <laughs> he's my best mate he, you know, he's my brother and I, and I love him no matter what and Shane if you're watching this mate you'll always be my brother and I love you a bit mate yeah, but great, he's, he's saved my life mate like that that moment in time, my life changed, Sean. Like my life went from being on being on this road to like possibly death or back into jail to like, you know what? Walking in the gym, leaving my ego at the door, leaving my pride at the door, not walking in this gym to be the hardest man in there and learning a tough lesson and becoming a professional athlete within a month. Wow. Do you know what I mean? Wow. Strength of mind right there. Mm. Yeah. 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 Well done. During the prison, then, did you bump into anyone else that was like a big name in the crime world? No, I bumped into one man who was similar to me, probably the only kid. When we were growing up, he was the only name who probably, probably would have beat me in a fight. I had a lot of fear around the guy. Would have fought him, no matter what. I would have met him, I would have fought him, no matter what. Uh, he was the only man who I thought was probably the capability of beating me. Whether he felt the same or not, probably not. Might have, I don't know. There was a lot of hype around me and him, around this guy. And uh, he came into prison when I was in prison. Bear in mind, when he came into prison, I was, I don't want to say it, but I was probably the hardest man in the prison. And, and I very much doubt anyone would have lived with me in, in, in a fight with me in the prison. This guy come in, and uh, all my pals were panicking. I'm thinking, shit, what are we going to do with him? What are we going to do? And I was like, don't worry about it. I'll, do it. I'll sort it. I'll sort it. I'll speak with him. I'll speak with him. And they were like, no, no, no. Listen, said, what, what if he beats you? And I was like, well, he fucking beats me, don't he? I said, at the end of the day, we'll sort it. And he was like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Bear in mind, we were grown men. This stemmed from kids with me and him. No, like 14, 15, 16. I'm the next duffer. I'm the next duffer. I'm the artist. I'm the artist. No, 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 I am. We were fucking grown men when he came into prison. We were like 20, 21, 22, 23s. So he'd come into jail. And he went, how are you doing with him? I went, I'm all right, mate. Shut my hand. And he went, this between me and you is from being kids. We're both from Borough. There's enough room for both of us in here. We'll look after each other. And for them, we come friends. We come friends. And he, and he, you know, probably heard his name, but I, just, I, I don't really want to say it over here about his concept. Yeah, yeah, no worries. But he's, uh, he was probably the only kid who was Andy kid like. So you said jail was easy for you. Did you have any low moments? Yeah, yeah. I never got clean in jail, Sean. I never got clean. I used all the way through my prison. Mm. It was when I got out, I got clean. Right. 
All the way through prison, I used Subitex, weed, ganja, steroids. I used it all. And it helped me through my jail. Maybe it did, maybe it didn't. Did that but, maintain the cloud in your head, though? Um, it was different. See, when I was out, I was wild and using. You can't get MCAT and coke and all that through jail. It was more of a, the relaxants, yeah. the, the subitex, the fucking take mong, get your monged out, take away the four walls. Mm. That's what I that's what I done for my prison. I used most for my prison. But I, it was a different use, a different way of using for me, because it was like you you're trapped, aren't you? You 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 you're you're limited to what you can do and what you can say and what, what what's going on. So Jim, bang behind your door, using. Take it with the four walls. And that's what I'd done all the way from my prison. What was your workout routine? I lifted big. Lifted big, big heavy weights. Ate a lot of food. Ate a lot of porridge. Did you have access to a lot of food? Yeah. Oh, hell of a lot, yeah. Is that through buying it in addition to what they give yeah. you? Yeah, I got looked after well in jail. Money wasn't an issue. Food wasn't an issue. I lived like a fucking king in there, Sean. Our visits? Visits were shit. They were the only thing. See, I, I, I don't know, like... I, I've always been quite an emotional guy, me, Sean. Like, I, 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 I am a good... I've always been a good lad, but the, the, the addiction side of things and all that stuff, what I suffered with, just totally took away my morals and, and changed my personality. So every time I had a visit with my missus and my kids and stuff, or my mum and dad, or my sister, or whoever, I come out away from their meetings, from them visits, with my head, in, my head panned in, because I loved them, and I, and I knew this life wasn't for me. I thought, this jail's not for me, man. What am I doing? But... It's one of them things, mate, do you know what I mean? You've got to swallow it and fucking get on with it. Because the visit's like gold, isn't it? But then when you go back to your cell, you're like, fuck. I hated them. I hated them. I fucking hated them. But it had to be done because I still wanted to see them. Because imagine they didn't see me all the way from a sentence. I think, oh, they're going to forget about me, what they're up to, what they're doing. Yeah. So I had to see them. It, it was, it was, you had to do the visits. But I fucking hated them. Bye. For one, after one hour. It was sickening. In that prison then, what was the visitation room like? Did you like just sit at a table and could you like get food from like machines yeah, yeah. and shit? Yeah, the canteen bits, chocolate and milkshakes and coffee, that was the yeah. best bit about it. Yeah, your, yeah. your family and that. <laughs> but it was big comfy chairs. You had to wear a fucking prison uh, shirt, blue and white shirt, which was fucking horrendous. And prison jeans, which were always worn and you never know who's had them on. But yeah. it was one of them things, mate, do you know what I mean? It was... It, it, I don't know. It was I, 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 like jail. Was it horrendous for me? Mm, not really. But it was a life lesson. Where do I want to go back? No, never. Do you know what I mean? Did you read much? Yeah, yeah. What kind of stuff were you reading? I read a lot of James Patterson. Yeah. I like. Uh, I read a few crime books. Not really many. I only read uh, read one about the craze. I read uh, mainly what's what fictional, whether made up stories. I like them ones, the James Patterson ones. They were brilliant. Yeah. Never read a book since. Never read a book before. Really? But, but I was reading like every It takes week. you out of the cell, doesn't it, if yeah. you go on an adventure in some fucking yeah. novel? It does, yeah. Yeah. All right, so what year did you get out? Ooh, uh, 2013, 2014. 2014, I think. What was the day of your release like? It was weird. It was weird because you sort of look back and go, was that about? Because it flies, like, it, it flies by. It does. Like, it it goes faster by. and faster, doesn't it? It does. If it, uh, it's, sense it's, you get a routine. It's weird, it's weird, because some days you feel like it's fucking dragging in there, and, it, and it's like, you're never going to get out, and it's fucking two years away, and whatever. 
But then that moment you're out and you look back at that prison and you think, well, that was weird. Like, that flew by that. And it, and, and it was surreal for me. But it was three days before I got out, Sean, I got sprung on me that I was going into a bail hostel because I had to prove that my life wasn't under threat, that my life, that my family weren't going to be in danger and people weren't going to try and shoot me. Mm. So I had to go into a bail hostel to try to put me down Leeds from Middlesbrough. I said, nah. I said, I'm not going down there. I says, keep me in. So they managed to get me one into Middlesbrough. And I was in there for, I, I was down to stay in there for six months, but with good behaviour, it could be a bit earlier. But I struggled. I struggled like fuck. And um, I was in there with wrong people um, and I couldn't get me around it. And uh, I struggled with drugs still in there. I, uh, I, I really did. It was fucking hard for me. How I didn't get recall was beyond me, but I managed it. I got out, got out of the bail hostel, and uh, I got into recovery, Sean, after that. That's when I walked into... Um, see, my mum and dad, my mum's 20-odd 20, 20 years clean and sober, Sean. She brought Nycox Anonymous and Alcoholic Anonymous into Middlesbrough area wow. and got me clean. Wow. And I worked at it, and I, and I, and I, I got a 12-step programme under my belt, uh, uh, it's NA is the one that fucking saved me from my life. How hard was that not to not go back? Yeah, it was hard because I was skint. I was going to the food bank myself to get food. I was struggling. I was having to sign on. I didn't know how to do that right. I was getting fucking. They were doing all this stuff where oh, if you don't do your job search, you don't be here on time. You don't get your paid. So and I was missing it, and I didn't know where I was. So I, I, I and I had friends who were. Flash Rolexes, fucking nice cars. What are you doing, Van? Are we? Fucking come make some money, come do this, come do that. And I'm like, nah, I can't, I can't. Do you know what I mean? So I got to, I got to find humility around it all and, and work at it. And, you know, it was one of the hardest times of my life. But it set me free, Sean, from that fucking, that drug taking, that active addiction. And I got myself into recovery and I fucking worked hard at it. And I'd done a lot of work on my head. It, you know what it is it, you, when you get into recovery and you work at NA and NA you do a lot of work on your head and you look back at like why I'm the way I was what set me off and, and I believe and for anyone else who's ever struggling with drug taking or anything like that NA is the fucking way it is no other way I believe outside influences no psychology or anything like that won't help you it's NA or A is, is a road to all a solution it's like, I remember like hearing a lot of sayings in there, the, the jails, institutions and death, it all to me. You know, you'll never recover, but you can live in recovery and live happy and long. Do you know what I mean? And I thought, that makes sense. You just got to work it every day. I remember doing the work on my head, Sean, and, and looking back at the low self-worth, the bullying, the, 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 the trauma that I'd caused in my life as a child. You know, like my mum and dad went, my mum my and dad now today, my dad's a Christian. My absolute hero always has been well loved, but they weren't very straight straight as I died when they were young. Do you know what I mean? So I've seen a lot of stuff from that side as well. My mum was a was a lovely woman, very tough girl. She was the fighter in the family. I'd watch her knock fuck out of people. Proper hard woman. My dad was a doorman, but just a big, massive gentleman. And um today these 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 people who I'm talking about, my mum and dad, totally different people. My mum's like a boss in a nursing home, recovering recovering addict, handles, gives out meds, drug meds and all that. My dad's a, a, a Christian, works in security, proper good bloke. But when I'd done the work on my head and realised what was the stem of the problem, it was all that, all that together. Like, 
it fucking damages a child, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? And, and it moulds you into like what's real and what's not, and then you become what I become. Do you know what I mean? You have to go inside yourself to find the root causes, don't you? To yeah. stop it. That's not easy, is it? Like yeah. in a journey. Something happened to me, Sean, when I went, and I, 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 I didn't, even, I never spoke about it. I never, ever, ever realised like how, how much of an effect it had on my life. When I was a kid, I was about nine, ten year old. There used to be a market, and used to buy the. We saved up it was fifty pence for a catapult. Remember the old plastic catapults? Yeah. And we bought them. Three of me mates. We went round. We got them. And where we went, it was about two mile away from home. We weren't allowed up there, but where all the best stones were. But what we used to do is fire them over a bridge. No, watch them fly down. Yeah. On the top of this bridge was cars going across. We didn't know stones. Some of the stones weren't coming down. Obviously, hitting cars, but we didn't know. So I'm stood there firing these stones over. Next thing you know, I'm on stood on top of the hill. This bloke, big fucking bloke, starts climbing down the side of the bridge. So I'm stood looking at him. I look back at my pals. They just take off, poof, runs off. I was only 10, nine or 10 year old. And he fucking kicked the living shit out of me. I picked me up, slammed me. Punched my head in, smashed all my face in, kicked me. I, I was after, I was only a kid. I lost all control of my bowels, pissed and shit myself, and and then I took off. And I'm running down this path, and where this path is, it's proper enclosed, just full of bushes. So it's like dark, and you're running. It's about a mile long, and this guy chased me all the way down this path with his fingers on my back, saying, "I'm gonna kill you." And I'm running and running and running, and I, as I come out in the open, I come into South Bank, and my pals with. I sat there and he stopped and ran back off. And as I got close to me pals, they just burst out crying. They looked at me and went, oh, I started crying. My face was just smashed in. And I didn't even know, do you know what I mean? Like, and I, I was just like, and then I just fucking fell and I was crying and all that. So I goes home. And this child mentality, I can't tell my dad I was up there. He'll go mad. I wasn't allowed up there. Not the fact that this man just battered me. So he, he was like, oh, what's happened? And I told him I fell off a wall, smashed my face in. So I took me to hospital. I was in hospital for a few days, got fucking fixed and all that. And that this is how young I was, Sean. I told him about six weeks later, right? He was uh, washing my hair with a jug. That's how little I was. No, so soap doesn't go in my eyes. Put your head back, Sean. He was washing my hair. That's how young I was, Sean. And uh, I says, Dad, do you remember when I got my face? My, my face was all smashing. He went, yeah. I says, uh, I never fell off a wall. He went, what do you mean? I said, some man smashed my head in. Oh, man. Oh. He fucking burst out crying. He was fucking so angry. Fucking punched the door. He was like, get out of the bath, get out of the bath, quick, quick, quick. So I'm crying, going, what, what? He went, no, no, he grabbed me, cuddling me. He was like, why didn't you tell me? I was like, I didn't know I wasn't allowed up there. He went, no, get dressed quick. Gets me dressed. <laughs> Drags me up this bridge. And he's fucking mortified and he's pointing at, is that him? And he, and he just wanted to kill someone. And I, and I was like, fucking hell. And I, like looking back, Sean, like that affected me for years because yeah. I thought, would that man have killed me? Like, like would he have? Do you know what I mean? And I think he probably fucking would have. Do you know what I mean? Like, what type of man? Like, I have a boy now who's ten, and I think I look at him, and it's still to this day. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm thirty five year old, Sean, and I look at my boy now, and something comes into my head and goes, how could that man do that to me? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. I think that is fucking wrong. It sat with me for years, Sean, and, and I like serious trauma, near death yeah, experience, yeah, it's trauma. Sat, as a as a boy, I, I, I like, and then I had to face my mates with piss and shit all over me while I'd lost control of my bowels. My mates didn't laugh. They didn't, I don't think they were even aware because my face was that battered and bruised. They were shitting themselves. Yeah. Probably. So they were like, oh my God. But I had fucking, I was fucking soiled myself bad. Yeah. And that never left me either. Like, I thought, wow, like as if I'd done that, do you know what I mean? 
So when I got into recovery and I, and I, and I, I had to write these questions out and I had to do a, an inventory on myself and uh, I'd done this inventory and that come up and I didn't even know that that was a real problem of like massive, massive trauma to how I become this angry, angry kid who wanted to dish out pain and fucking air people and and become this this man who, who was in control of will never ever get out ever again. Do you know what I mean? And that and, and and it played a big part of me, do you know what I mean? And I thought, wow, I, how have I not even thought about that? Because it's you know buried in your subconscious, yeah. isn't it? But it's driving you, yeah. isn't it? Forever. Yeah. And you write this personal inventory in this in in, in this and you do this personal inventory like like it'll never like no like you do these step works, like no one will ever read it. Do you know what I mean? And when I've done like the step work, it's like it's all come up of why I'm the way I am. What like what's the what's the real cause and shit like that? Do you know what I mean? And it was only a matter of time before I come addicted to drugs, because this addiction that we that like I suffer from, it's like it's not so much the drugs now. I can still it can still come up in many ways of my life, Sean. Like anything that makes me feel good about myself, I'll kick the ass out of. Gym, clothes. Fucking, I've got an obsession with trainers, Sean. I don't, stop, I don't, I don't stop buying them. <laughs> I was so when my car broke down today, I had a step in the mud. I asked Jamie, I couldn't show up about my trainers. I was like, oh my god. I like the hat too. Yeah, I, I, that's all I do. It's, it's like, it's another obsession. I just, I find something that makes me feel good, and I just fucking kick the ass out of it. My missus goes mad. Honestly, she, she I drive around the bend. So my therapist told me, he said, look, after we're on that inner journey, he said, if you're giving something up like drugs. There's a hole inside you, and you got to put something yeah. in it to replace it. Yeah. What are your positive interests? Fitness, blah blah blah. So there's nothing wrong with channeling your energy into the positive no. things if you've got that addictive personality yeah. type. Yeah. That was a big lesson for me to learn. Yeah. Because I was channeling my energy into negative addiction stuff that could have got yeah. me killed. Yeah. Now, yeah. Well, well, to see today, Sean, like it's it's like. I can be obsessed about trainers. I can be obsessed about a watch. I can be obsessed, but I can still make money from this obsession. And in this, in this, it's like you said, there's like a positive. See, I can buy, I, I, I'm not obsessed and that clever around it now. It's like, I can buy a watch. I can sit on the watch. And then as soon as I get the right money, bosh, I won't hesitate to sell it. And then I have the money. Then I'm like, what's next? And then the same thing with trainers is like, can buy a pair of trainers, a limited, limited edition of pair. And then they're going up to like thousand pairs. It's not. It's not just normal, normal obsession. It's like fucking. It's just weird, mate. It's just. It's just weird how I am. It's, that fight game that I got involved in. Within a month, I was pro. Within a month, I was like fighting on top bills. I was selling out fucking, selling out Middlesbrough, like selling out. How does that feel, man, to be in front of a sold out arena? Fucking unbelievable, mate. Because it, not only that, it was like the, the the Shane Taylor stuff that I was going through as well. I was finding higher power. I was humbled. I was, I was employable. I was. I had a job. I had all these things going, and not only that, I was walking into a gym with my ego left at the door. I was with all these people who were schooled, trained fighters, coaches, telling me the truth, not like going, "Oh, you are the Venny, or you, you're this, you're that." They were going, "No, fucking shoes off on the mats, ten laps, twenty press ups, <laughs> five more," and they would do that. Do you know what I mean? And I was like, "I was far. I thought I've arrived here." This is me now, and this is what I'm fucking good at. I killed it. I fucking killed it. Again, obsessed. I just lived and breathed it, Sean. Like five and six hours a day. I was doing like 60, 70 mile a week running. 
and I just lived and breathed it, mate. Absolutely lived and breathed it, and I loved it. So you became the English, British, European and world champion in K1 mixed martial arts and never lost a fight. Never lost a fight. Holy shit. 32 fights, 31 knockouts. Wow. Yeah. And people are getting me like, where can we see any of this? YouTube. On YouTube. There's, there's a couple, see what happened was, with the K1 and, and, and I would sell a lot of tickets. Like, I used to have a massive following and a lot of loyal people from Middlesbrough South Bank area who would fill coaches and come watch me no matter where I was in this country. And they would come. So when I was on a bill, they wouldn't post it live on YouTube or anything like that because they'd sell DVDs, they'd sell tickets, they'd want more people there to see it. So that's what they used to do. There was only a couple of times I'd actually fought live. But these big shows, there was no way you were getting hold of them unless it was a DVD. Do you know what I mean? Because it was more bread. Uh, so what happened was, I started getting on bigger shows and started going on YouTube, but there was only a couple, like the, the first... 20 fights weren't really they were still good good fighters good lads but it was like it wasn't massive massive shows massive massive belts like I won the ICO and the WSK they're the best belts that I won the other little belts still good still tough kids but they weren't really establishing me as as, as top of the bill in the K1 in the British scene do you know what I mean yeah. so we were still early doors still early fights but it was good for me man it was good so what skill set then to never lose a fight, do you have to possess? Because there's a lot of good fighters out there, but to never lose. I'd be truthful. Like, when I got into that top 10 rankings in Britain, most of the lads I was fighting were probably better than me. But I was just too tough. I was too... So it's psychological, then, are you saying? No, they're probably... Be like, what you don't understand, Sean, I was only done, I only done it for five years. Yeah. And and these these lads were, like, trained at it for, forever. They were schooled. They practised. Mate, I was born for that. I was born. Like I, 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 Sean, I've been it with bats, hammers. I've been run over. I've never ever been knocked out. I've never ever been dropped. I've been punched on the sneak. I got it with a, with a big hammer. It was smashes concrete. I was with my kids, picked my kids up from school. I'm walking down Normby Road. Someone jumped out and smashed me in the face with one. Just dipped me in the face in a bus stop, broad daylight. I just stood there, just smashed me in the face. Didn't even budge me. But even, even then when I was walking home with the kids, because I couldn't retaliate, I went to chase him. He ran off. But I had to go, the kids were screaming. They had to go, Abby, kids, we're only joking. So I had to walk home with the kids and go, ah. And I, my, my oldest daughter was going, he's just trying to kill you. I went, he never, man. I'm just joking, are we? So I tried to convince her that it was just a joke, but I, I'm fucking fuming. So I'm walking home. But as I was walking home thinking, I thought, I says to my daughter, my daughter went, he had a big, massive metal hammer, dad. So I was like, didn't even hurt. Like, it didn't even budge me. All it, when I went to the hospital, all I'd done is it just fractured my cheekbone and that. So I was like, Fucking hell. And I was in the fight game now as well, Sean. Like, I'm I'm fighting people with gloves on. I thought, oh, no one's going to fucking hurt me. I was ready to be punched in the head. So, so natural ability to withstand yeah. pain. Uh, it's that, that old saying in it with Rocky. It's not about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get it and keep yeah. going forward. Yeah. And I just think, I don't think any man on this fucking earth would have, would have put me out, would have put me away. I'm not saying I wouldn't have been beat, but I just, I, I possess this ability of getting it and demoralising people. Like, if you see, if you watch on like some of my fights, I'm getting caught with some beauties and I just don't move. I just don't budge. I've never been flashed. I've never been stumbled and I'm fighting giants. I give away three and four stone in most fights because I'm short for heavyweight. I was short. I stood just above the weight, three pound above the mat, the mat, the weight. It was 96.6 kilos. That's why I weighed in that. The weight was 96 kilos. Everyone else on the scales when I was fighting were like 110, 117, six foot fours, six foot fives. 
I thought a man, right? Cal Hewitt. I'm good friends with Cal now. And uh, I always give him a shout out. I always mention his name because that was the most frightened I'd ever been. And he was like a big Dolph Lundgren looking man. Six foot seven, six foot eight. Muscles bulging everywhere. He was kicking the shit out of everyone. And he had the British title, the WSK, my favourite belt. This was my favourite win. I mean, no disrespect to Cal, but it was my favourite win. And, and I still speak to him now because of how nervous I was. Because I was new. This was the level now. This is where I'm stepping up. And my coach says, look, there's a fight there. Do you want it? I went, oh, against you and Cal Hewitt. And I was like, what? And I heard this kid. And they were like, look, he's a big man. He's good. Not many people want to fight him. But I think I think we're ready. And I was like, do you think I'm beating him? And one million percent. I think he can beat anyone. So I thought, fuck it, let's do it. And I went for the win for this fight and stood in his presence and I was like, wow. <laughs> I, remember, I remember looking at him thinking, fucking hell, what am I doing here? You know what I mean? I just honestly it was the, the only time in the only time after in a fight I've ever looked at a man and thought, "What the man doing?" And I even just to break the ice, I remember touching his muscles and going, "Some beach body that," isn't it? and he just started laughing. He was a lovely guy, do you know what I mean? He was, but I, 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 I was really frightened. To be fair, like it was the most fear I'd ever felt, and um, I fucking stopped him in the second round. I hit him, I hit him with a fucking beauty and stopped him in the second round. Where did you get him? I hit him with a Superman punch. First round, I come out and I felt what he had. And uh, the guy kicked like an horse. He just kicked me, boom. And I was like, wow. And he kicked me again and I thought, I can't hear too many of them. Like, But but I was all right. Like, I felt durable. I felt good. I was I kept the distance close because he was massive. And I just shot a lot of things. I didn't really commit to anything. I felt what he had. And I thought, yeah, I'm all right with that. Went back to the corner. And I remember my, our Alan, my, my, my cousin slash coach, he says to me, are you ready now? Like, do you want to go fight now? And I was like, right, yeah. And I went out and I just pushed him and I just fucking hit him with a perla. Nearly knocked him out the ring. And then uh, knocked him out, just sleep over the ring. Wow. Get him out. And I thought, and that was... Is this one on YouTube? That's on YouTube, oh, yeah. Oh man, I can't wait to see this one. And that one, that that was that was when I knew, uh, like, my, any fight after that, the fear was gone. Still had jit nerves, still had that, that pre-fight jitters, because that kept me dangerous, Sean. Without them, you, you, like, you're not a dangerous man. You've got to be afraid of being knocked out. You've got to be afraid of getting beat. There's many things you've got to be afraid of. But when I entered that ring, after that fight, no matter who I was fighting, I felt like, God, I thought, no way you beat me here. And that's, how I, that's, that's what put me on the map, that win. Well, earlier you said they were, some were giving them your, they were giving you the best shot and you were just standing your ground. Yeah. How demoralising must that have been for them? That, see that? I see that. that but that's what that's what I see, Sean. Yeah. Like I can fight men and like they can be coming forward and bang, 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 hit you with a with their best. And I and I even sometimes I've went <laughs> and, 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 and I just see it in them. They just mid fight. Uh, yeah, like I like I've been it and I've went. <laughs> and I just see him I just see him to go on the bike, to take a step back. I can just see it just demoralises them, do you know what I mean? And I just think, nah, they don't want it now. Yeah. And I, 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 and I can hit hard as well, do you know what I mean? Like, I, 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 if I hit you... So you, lose, so you win the psychological battle at that yeah, point? Yeah, yeah. fought a kid yeah. called Chris Cooper. Uh, he was third in the rankings, for, or second in the rankings. Man was a legend of K1 game, absolute legend. To look at him, he's nothing. Like He doesn't, doesn't look big, doesn't look... He just looks like a now placid, dead laid back, a little bit of a belly, looks... Looks dead laid back. The man was a killer. 
The man was a dangerous man and I struggled with him. I lost the first round. I really struggled with him. Caught him in the second round, beat him, knocked him out. Took the European, uh, took the European belt. But my, my point is, like, that man was a was all round better than fighter than me. He would have beat me. Like, nine times out of ten in that gym, you're learning a lesson from him. But in that fight, I know for a fine fact, in a real fight, I'll beat him ten times out of ten. Just for simple fact is, he's not going to put me away and I'll always put you away. It's as simple as that. The skill, I mean, skill can get can, can win you a fight, If but I just think I was always too much for someone. Like, I always believed in my heart that I'll always walk forward and I only have to hit you once. And I believe that's what got me through all my fights. Through all those fights that you won then, was there any other moments where you almost got knocked out? Never. Never? Never. Wow. Being caught clean, being kicked in the face clean, being teeped in the face clean. I've never, ever, ever been rocked or anything. Just always took it. I took it well and just moved forward. So as you go gradually then doing these fights, how many fights were the total? I'd had 32 fights all in all. So as you're winning more and more, you're getting a bigger and bigger following yeah. each time. Yeah, yeah. And then what's it like, like at, towards the end, like you've got this massive following? It's, it was surreal because not only that, it's like, I never really thought about this way, but I'm thinking about it now. It's like Lee Duffy from them streets put us South Bank on the map, like as a, as, a, as a fighting man on them streets. I was doing it the other way. Like I put us, like South Bank, Middlesbrough, the lads from South Bank and Middlesbrough, they all know where they are, all my pals, all my friends. Like a lot, a lot of lads come to watch me, bought tickets from me. And, and come and supported me, all of them. And I filled, and they used to fill the place and they would fucking scream my name and they would shout, shout rant for me. And I've watched the videos, you can see them all. And it's like, yeah, that, that it's a fucking buzz in itself. I thought, yes, I've done something great, do you know what I mean? Something to tell our kids, something to tell our grandkids. And I loved it. It was fucking the best thing. Apart from my kids being born, it's the best thing I've ever done in my life. Beating drugs as well. It's right up there. The best thing I've ever done. And can you get addicted to that? Fighting. To the high then of going out and all the people cheering and everything. Yeah. yeah. Even the feeling in the changing room, Sean, like I even, like I remember my first few fights, right? I remember being in the changing rooms and always an exit door. Every fight, every changing rooms I was in, there was an exit door. And I used to look at the exit door thinking, shall I bail? Shall I just fuck off now because I don't want to be fighting here? That went. And after about my me, me 10th fight, I would sit there and I'd have fear, adrenaline, excitement. And I'd be sat in this chair, relaxed, thinking about the fight, going through it in my head. But it'd feel like I'm on the biggest slide in the world, just sliding down way, you know, like that, that adrenaline rush, that yeah, feeling. Yeah. And I'm just sat there waiting to get out there. And I, and it was, there's no feeling like it, mate. Wow. It was the best feeling ever. And then once you walk, your ring walk, my choice of music, my ring walk, everything, it was just all surreal, like, like you're living a dream, do you know what I mean? And only that, Sean, I was getting paid for it, man. I was doing something that I loved doing. I was getting paid for it. So what is your fitness that you do now? And like, would you would you go back to doing fights or anything? Well, it's funny enough because I was talking about it with Jamie. I, I'm wanting to open a gym. I'm wanting to open my own fight school. I'm wanting to open my gym with the world right now. With how it's going, Sean, it's hard to get. It's hard to pursue what we want to pursue. There's there's COVID restrictions. There's lockdowns. There's all this stuff that's going on. So things are being put on hold. Struggling. I built my own gym on my back. I had a big outhouse built. I've got my own gym. I train, I lift weights, I do pads, I do bags. I still keep relatively fit, but I just eat. That's hence the reason why I'm big, but I'm strong. 
So right. for the Lee Duffy role, you've got to look in a particular way. Yeah, but it's pointless now. I get a lot of comments now because I've got my own YouTube channel now. So I, I, I've been talking and posting videos and uh, I get a lot of comments saying, like, you're too big to play Lee. You, you don't look like him in this, that, the other. Well, as people say, I look like him, but you're too big, different different physique and stuff like that. I could I could strip that weight in 12 weeks. Easy. I've been loomed up to like 18, 19, 20 stone. And then for a fight camp, 12-week fight camp, I've got down to 16. Easy. I could do that. It's pointless me getting into shape now for the movie and having to maintain it for six, seven, eight months whenever the movie's getting done. I might as well treat it like a fight. Wait until the movie, wait until we know 12 to eight weeks and treat it like a camp and peak perfect time and look in phenomenal shape and look more athletic. And that is what, I, that is my plan. See, I train now. I lift weights. I'm strong. I still have a bit of shape and muscle. So all I need to do is lose water retention and a bit of body fat, which is easily done. Do you know what I mean? So that's my plans for the uh, for the moving forward for the Lee Duffy fight. The the thought of coming out of retirement and fighting again, yeah, I think about it every day, every day, and never leave me, never ever leave me as a fighter and with an experience and what I've experienced, that'll never ever leave me. I know lads who've been professional fighters and been retired for ten years and think about it every day. I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna come back. They always do. Look at Tyson. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. See. I, if I can open this gym, not this year, maybe it's next year, if I can open this gym, it will be called Eternal Triangle Fight School and it'll be K1, boxing, everything. I've already got the plans, already got, already got it in my head what I need doing, what I'm wanting to do. I will fight at least four times in one year to put that gym on the map. Not only that, to win a belt as well. Brilliant. Get back in the rankings and see where we go from there. So I've watched the trailer then that Jamie put out, I think it's, is it War Cry? On the YouTube channel, and um, man, I fucking got goosebumps watching. That. Oh, the bit where I'm walking, and, yeah, yeah, with the lead yeah, up bit, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so there's this buzz about you right now online. What kind of feedback, positive, and are you getting any blowback from people who've seen what's going on with this? Uh, you know what? It's it's not really. You have little digs. Nah, it doesn't look like in my. People jealous casting. as well. Bad casting. Not really trolling. No, I'm not really experienced it yet properly. Uh, more positive. I've had any. I've had a lot, a lot of positive stuff. A lot of fucking beautiful, beautiful messages. Absolute. So, so overwhelming. To be fair, a lot of messages. A lot of Instagram followers, Facebook followers. A lot, a lot of people messaging me. So I never really. I wasn't never been big on Inst on um, social media, Sean. And uh, these last couple of months since this has happened, Facebook, I've gotten, I'm new to Facebook, but that's the support I get from there is fucking unbelievable. The Instagram, I get nice messages and a lot of followers from there as well now. All and, those links will be in the description box. Yeah. And um, the YouTube that I've started doing, the uh, just little videos, little talks, my fights are on there. I've been trying to get that up and running and just letting people know what's going on with. With with I try I speak a lot about addiction as well, Sean. About if anyone needs help, they can reach out to me and can try and point me in the right direction. No matter where they are in the world, I can, I'll always I'll always try and show my support around that. And um, the comments that I get not really that negative. A couple that say oh, he's too big, he's too fat, he doesn't look well, but bad casting. That and that is that's as bad as it gets. There's always some jealousy. Yeah, that's as bad as it gets. Keyboard I can't handle it. I can't yeah. So, how are you dealing with this attention then? Is it a bit surreal? Yeah, it, yeah, it is because it's different attention. Like, like when I was fighting, 
I was always in control of that that attention. Like I, I was used to it. But this is different. It's like, you know, I'm meeting different people, well respected guys like yourself, Sean, and and doing stuff like this is is a bit out of my comfort zone. But I'm liking it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Public you, speaking. Yeah. So when I said earlier about this, uh, psychologist said do positive things yeah. but you're a bit of an adrenaline junkie yeah first time you get up in front of an audience public speaking fucking yeah. hell first time i did an interview on the camera i think it was like sky tv just out of prison i look back at that clip now online i look like a fucking deer in the headlights <laughs> like my adrenaline yeah, yeah. Here, man, yeah yeah well I, I do you know what it is i don't know if my first ever my first ever talk see because i have given my life to god i am a born again christian now sean and uh, I went down to Shane to a convention, and there were uh, I met Bear Grylls, I met Nicky Gumble, all a lot of a lot of people who, who massive in the in 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 the TV game and the in the Christian world and stuff. And he asked me to do a talk, so I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'll do all talk. And when I stepped out on the stage, there were seven thousand people, and I was, oh my, I, I need to shit my pants again. And I'll tell you what it is, my head. My, but what saved me was. The lights. Yeah, because you can't see them then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The lights were shining on me, so I couldn't really see anyone. So I, and, and this this talk was like an experience strength and hope talk, and it's like a bit like the fellowship of an A. It's just the shit that I lived, where I ended up, and how I got well. And it's as simple as that, in a short version. You know, it, and no one asking questions, and it was just like a, yeah, I was addicted to drugs, I was a bad lad, I went to jail, God saved me. Bullshit. And, that, and it's that in a nutshell. Uh, that was fucking weird for me to do. And then when I started getting under the spotlight with this movie and the and the Lee Duffy stuff, and then I was like, people were going, oh, come, can we interview you? Can we talk to you? Can we do this? Can we do that? And I was like, oh, no, 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 James. Like, no, no, you need, you, you need to go do it. So I was like, right, okay, yeah, sound. So then I was doing it, and uh, it was a bit fucking, a bit weird, but I suppose I'm like... Most of the guys are going here. Once they start talking, they can't fucking shut up. And then when they leave, I get a message. Oh, I've just thought about 50 more things. Like <laughs> yeah. <I said." laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So you're an author now. You're an actor. Yep. You've talked about your dreams and goals and having a gym, possibly going back to fighting to finance that. Is there anything else you're doing that you've not talked about so far? Uh, nah, not really. I mean... There's a, there's, there's a few things. I'll tell you what, one thing that I'm doing for this book is the, uh, the autistic stuff, which lays heavy on my heart. Mm. Uh, autistic support, autistic awareness. Uh, my little girl, she's uh, coming up three. She's going for all the tests now, the autism tests and stuff like that. 100% she's autistic. And she's our little race sunshine, she is. Mm. And um, massive, massive, massive awareness for autism because of this, this book I'm given, I think it's 50 pence, for every book sale, um, to Daisy Chain, the autism. Brilliant. But all the ones that I've sold from my door, from from the ones that I've sold myself, all the, all the profits from that will go to Daisy Chain uh, for the autism charity. And we'll put a link into Daisy Chain as well in the description box yeah. so the viewers can check that out. Yeah, yeah, that's great, yeah. Yeah. Have you thought about like, going into schools and speaking to school kids and stuff? Yeah, well, uh, we've got, a th I think we've got a few things planned, which you've just reminded them. Um, Prisons, we're going to go into prisons and doing talks. We've got a couple of colleges to go speak about, go speak to uh, some kids and stuff. And then um, uh, I think there's something else I can't remember what he, what he said. We've got plans, uh, youth clubs and stuff like that, you know. Yeah, so I always think, you know, like when I was a kid and I was going through all that stuff, 
like if 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 someone like Brad Cutler or Lee Duffy or someone along the lines and they come in and went, oh, look, this is where I was and this is where it takes you, you fucking, don't be a fool, don't be doing this, blah, 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 blah. I think, yeah, maybe they would have listened, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I just think, I'll try and do that, do you know what I mean? You know, that's your point sometimes as well. It's like telling my story and trying to get my, being as honest as I possibly can and, and, and letting people know about my, my old lifestyle and where it took me. It's like, yeah. I'm grateful for it. I am because I wouldn't be the man I am today, Sean, do you know what I mean? It's like I could, Imagine I didn't go through it then. I could be going through it tomorrow. So I, I, that's the whole point of me trying to get my story out and try and tell people about the addiction, about recovery, about where I can take you, the prisons, the jails, the institutions, the death and all that stuff. Because it, just, it fucking took me to a dark place, trying to be that man, trying to be that 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 top, top man, that fucking boy and all that bullshit, all that fucking delusional shite. It's just not worth it. Exactly. It's not worth it because I tell you, Sean. Like, I, I have not wanted to be here. Like, there's been times in my life where I've not wanted to be here, and I've almost ended it. Do you know what I mean? And I've survived it. Was that before prison? Yeah, that was before prison. Do you think that you were just living the lifestyle that like you could have died at any moment? Was like almost like suicidal lifestyle. Of course it is. Yeah. I'll tell you something now, Sean. The way I took drugs, I've seen lesser people die. You know, I've seen friends, I've seen people, family members, I've seen people die through taking drugs, half of what I took, not even half of what I took, and I would stay awake for fucking four, five, six days and just take a stupid amount of drugs like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. And and, and for me to sit here and go, oh, fucking hell, like, ow, like, you just, ow, how am I alive? Yeah. That's how I ask, that's how I, I just think, fucking hell. Same with Pete, he'd stay up for like a week, two weeks at a time. He'd go off. And he'd come back days late and he just walked for like a couple of days and all his shoes are like fucking feet fucking all beat up and shit. And we didn't even, he didn't even know where he'd been. I've done it. I've done it. I've been I've been that awake. I've been somewhere and then I've, I've just come round and I'm like walking across the field and I'm thinking, where the fuck am I over here? And then you're just like, what's going on here? Yeah. I've woke up in a house and Lent. There's like loads of strangers around me. I'm like, yeah. where the fuck am I here? What's going on here? Do you know what I mean? And you have to wait for people to start talking to each other and mentioning names before you go, how are you doing, Peter? What's, how many are you, John? You don't even know these people. Yeah. And I, and, and I've, so many situations that I've been in, I think, fucking hell. Crazy, man. Absolutely mental. Do you think if Lee Duffy's life had took a different turn, he could have done what you did and won all those fights? Can you imagine? I always, you know what? That's, that's the final dream. That's the final thought. Because it's pointless going... Nah, he would have done this, he would have done that. He would never got well. Why not? Why not go? Because I think, if I can fucking do it, Sean, I'm telling you now, there's any man out there who's struggling with drugs that can fucking... Because I was the lost... I was the scum of the earth, the way I took drugs, the, way, the things i done to get what I needed. Trust me, if I can do it, anyone can. So if he... If he was... if he, I believe, if, he'd have been, if he never got killed that night, there's a fucking very strong chance that he could have turned his life around. Can you imagine him? Imagine him being on here. Imagine him. Oh, man. Can you imagine that, Sean? Fucking hell. If Peter could have got some of that in, that would have been amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. sure they're both in heaven now, smiling yeah, down there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Having a laugh. Have you got a second book in you? Thinking about it. I'm thinking about my life. Because that this book is just about the stories of Lee Duffy. From me. From I'm from the Southbank area. I'm from... I've spent all my life with people who've lived and breathed with Lee, who've drank with Lee, who've seshed with Lee, who've, who've brought up with him, same schools, done jails with him. So all these stories are from them people. 
Yeah. And then there's a little bit about me about how it affected me, like, like what I thought and you know stuff like that. My good friend, Paul Truscott, professional boxer, won the Commonwealth, he'd done the forward. And me and him were like chalk and cheese and he was a little bastard and he, we, we used to fight like hell. And he never won a fight, by the way, but he claims he did. But he never. I'm sure he's put it in the book that he did, but he never. But we he, he's done the forward to it and uh, tells us a little bit about man and his childhood. And it it's a good read. It's an excellent read. But my book, my story, I think is a few years away yet. Yeah. So I've just published the audiobook version of this. It should be coming up available on Amazon soon. All the links will be in the description box to all the books, Jamie's links, all of the socials for Paul and Jamie. I urge people, you guys, to go down and support what they're doing. Is there anything you would like to say, Paul, in conclusion to the people watching this, perhaps people struggling with addiction issues, going through dark times because of the lockdown? Yeah, I think uh, mental health is on the rise. It's absolutely mental at the moment, how high it is, and you know, it's meditation, praying, believing in higher power, uh, connecting, talking, I think is a massive, 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 massive help around that mental health status. You know, addiction as well, I believe, is a mental health status. Like, that's down to mental health as well. I think um, if you're struggling with addiction, whether you're a binger or you're actually in active addiction, Google NA, Google it, A, NA, it's there. It, it, I mean, look, you don't see billboards or signs anywhere for NA because it's attraction rather than promotion. The only way you hear about NA or A is by seeing someone, it work, you're seeing it working in someone who's worked the programme. So I believe if you're out there and you're struggling with addiction, just Google it. It brings it up. You're closest NA, you're closest A. It brings it up and tells you exactly where it is. Yeah. So that's a great positive message to end it on. So let us know what you thought about this podcast in the comments. Huge thank you to all the new subscribers. Subscription logo is in the bottom corner of the screen. And like I said earlier, all the links are down there in the description box. So, oh yeah, I'm a huge thank you also to Jamie for organising this. All right, big man, give us a hug. Yeah, right, nice cheers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, nice one, mate. Cheers, bro. Brilliant. Appreciate it, mate.